Welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we'll be uh, looking at a recap from NFL Week 16. We'll be previewing NFL Week 17, heading into the playoffs. We'll also take a look at some pickups uh, for fantasy in the NBA, as well as we'll be previewing the East Division in the NHL and taking a look at some injuries. I'm joined today once again by Terry and Nate. Welcome, guys. So. All right, let's just jump right into it. Let's look at what happened in the NFL in week 16. Um, On Christmas Day, we had the Vikings and Saints. And uh, Terry, let me just get to you on that. Um, Alvin Kamara, six touchdowns. Uh, What were your thoughts on on this game? Um, Honestly, it was just the Alvin Kamara show for the Saints. Um, And this shows you, like, once Breeze does go down the hill, that Kamara is going to be looked towards as well as Michael Thomas um, for this offense probably in the next coming years. Yeah, like this was just an offensive hose down of the Minnesota Vikings. Their defense didn't look that great at all. Um, But in terms of their offense, um, I I mean, uh, Kirk Cousins did throw for 291 yards and three touchdowns. He did look good. Dalvin Cook, um, I, I, although he didn't do as much on the ground, only 79 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I guess it's just Dalvin Cook going forward for this team. Uh, most definitely. And then you also have those two guys as wide out. You have Thielen and then you got Jefferson probably looking into next year, if anything, as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, although this Minnesota team had a rough start, they did make a pretty good push there near the end. I think they have a lot to look forward to for next year. Most definitely. All right. Yeah, jumping to Saturday's games. Um, Nate, uh, we started off with the Bucks and the Lions. Um, this was just the Bucks just flexing their offensive weapons at this point. Um, touchdowns from pretty much everyone on this lineup. I know Brady threw four of them and then Gabbert stepped in at quarterback and threw two of them. Um, Mike Evans had two touchdowns to go along with his 181 yards. Chris Godwin, 84 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Gronkowski, uh, 58 yards and two touchdowns. And Antonio Brown, 35 yards and his receiving touchdown along with Fournette rushing for one on the ground. Um, Nate, let me just ask you for your thoughts on this game. Um, I guess we can officially say Brady's not a system player now. <laughs> I mean, like, he had, like, what, a 90% completion or, like, 80% completion, and he had, like, a 98 QB rating. So that's just, like, really good right there. That's, like, he's playing, like, his Hall of Fame self that game. Yeah, for sure. And then in terms of the Lions, uh, it was just, I guess, all over the place. Matty Stafford getting hurt uh, after only throwing for three passes. Chase Daniel comes in. David Blau comes in. Uh, there's not really much of anything. Um, I guess looking forward to the future with this team, if Kenny Galladay doesn't stay, I assume that they'll definitely need some help at wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. And then in terms of uh, ru- running, uh, the, their running game, I guess um, AP – I mean, he might stay for another year, but I just assume DeAndre Swift is just going to take control of this backfield. Yeah, that's what it looks like right now. 
And um, I guess for Tampa Bay, it's just full charge to the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, they they just uh, didn't uh, have any hiccups really in this game. Uh, they're definitely rounding out their game going forward. Um, moving on to the 49ers and the Cardinals, um, there were some injuries in this game. I know DeAndre Hopkins left the game for a little bit. Also, Kyler Murray got an injury at the end. Uh, the Cardinals just really haven't looked like themselves. Um, and they actually have a chance of missing the playoffs now because of this loss to the 49ers. And, I mean, um, I know um, George Kittle returned into this game and he had um, 92 yards receiving. So he was pretty much just back to doing what he was doing. He looked great. I, I saw him out there. He was just plowing through receipt or with through defenders as he normally does. And he, he, he was just leading this offense. And I, I believe next year, um, San Francisco has something to look for. I don't know what you think about that, Terry. Um, yeah, this year you can, can just consider a San Francisco season just as a write-off, just due to all the injuries they had, whether it had been in the running back game or the running backs with uh, George Kittle, as you just mentioned. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you still include him in the plans for next year. And then you have, who do they have? Debo Samuel at wideout as well. Yeah, and both Samuel and Ayuk should be looked at as the future of this team at wideout going forward. Most definitely. Um, yeah, their, their running back situation is a little more complicated than it looks with uh, Mostert always being on IR. So I guess we'll have to monitor that going into next season. And then, Nate, in terms of the Cardinals... I know that they're they're definitely uh, going to have a tough road into the playoffs because they have to win next week. And um, I just uh, want to ask you, do you think this team has what it takes to make the playoffs next week? Uh, sorry, can you repeat that? Um, yeah, so just talking about the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they're now on the outside looking in. As Chicago has stepped into the last playoff spot. Uh, do you think that they can win next week? Do you believe they have what it takes to make the playoffs? Um. Maybe they have a they have a pretty good offensive game, so I think if they can get something started, then they might be able to make it. All right, let's just jump to the Saturday night game. Uh, the Miami Dolphins playing the Oakland Raiders. This game had huge playoff implications. Uh, Terry, can you break down this game? Um, honestly, it was a back and forth game between the Raiders and the Dolphins, and then you had that one play by Ryan Fitzpatrick. To just get on, I believe Jason Sanders into field goal range. And you gotta admit, um, the Dolphins' defense has improved over the years from being like the laughing stock of the AFC East to being, I believe, probably a top five defense, arguably, um, in the NFL this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on having the head coach of the Miami Dolphins become a possible coach of the year candidate, guys? Um, I think that he definitely has an argument for it. You could definitely say he deserves it based on uh, where the Dolphins were last year and where they are now. And even like the years before, they were like a joke in the NBA. And now they're like a serious team to look at almost. They're like knocking on the door of the playoffs, basically. So, um, Just uh, sort of as a recap of Flores, his coaching career, when he was in New England, I felt like he was very underrated. Sometimes he didn't get all the credit he deserved, even Bill Belichick not fully giving him the title as defensive coordinator. And I just feel like that Flores has a lot of um, characteristics as a coach that not a lot of other coaches have. He has this culture that he's really infused into this team, and they just 
they're, they're, they just believe that they can win every game. It's one, it's one of those uh, things. And I think that Flores does deserve a lot of credit uh, going forward in terms of being coach of the year. But um, I don't know, Terry, are we concerned with Tua Tagovailoa going forward for the playoffs? Or is this just sort of a, a thing that's just going to happen between the two quarterbacks? I feel like this year it's going to be a thing between the two quarterbacks. But uh, later down the line, especially after this year and probably years going forward, this is going to be Tua's team. Um, he just has to get used to the offense more often and then just try to get more weapons around him. Gaskins is a great running back on the uh, on the ground, and then you just need probably another wideout to just complement uh, Parker and probably one of their tight ends. Yeah, actually, I think Gaskin led them both on the ground and through the air in this game, having the 87 and 82 respectively and two receiving touchdowns in this game. Um, just looking at the Raiders, um, Derek Carr threw for 336 yards and a touchdown. Jacobs rushed for 69 on the ground. And Nelson Aguilar going for 115, one, sorry, 155 through the air and a touchdown, along with Darren Waller adding 112 through the air. And I guess go, go, heading into next year, this team's now eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, it's just going to be more from Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. Most definitely. Uh, they just need to have probably one of the younger wideouts to develop over the offseason, whether it be Hunter Renfro or Henry Ruggs, and just hope for the best. Yeah, for sure. I think that the, the Dolphins can be confident moving forward after this game and heading into next week where they'll be fighting for their playoff lives. Well, um, speaking of their playoff lives, Nate, I know you're a Browns fan, and this game really didn't turn out the way um, you wanted it to, the, you know, the Browns having all, most of their wide receivers out with COVID. Uh, could you just run through this game? Yeah, so uh, basically the Browns did not have uh, the best offensive game. They had, I guess, two two touchdowns almost. Yeah, they had two touchdowns. Nick Chubb and Kareem yeah. Hunt. Um, they had not the best uh, running game, but they were doing both. Um, receiving and they were doing rushing so I mean they had that at least we could say like Baker didn't throw a pick and he threw for 285 yards um I'm more concerned about like defense for the Browns right now because they couldn't it's, it looks like they couldn't get a stop on the Jets because the Jets got 23 on them so I guess heading into next week, my concern would be how would they stop the Steelers if they couldn't stop the Jets? Yeah, that's completely understandable. Um, I know Chubb struggled on the ground as well. 11 carries for only 28 yards. Um, and then uh, Kareem Hunt, only 11 yards on the ground, also adding 41 through the air to go along with Chubb's 38 through the air. Both of them did find the end zone. Baker did not find the end zone, whether by rushing or by passing this week. And yeah, it was just very concerning for the Browns. Uh, I think maybe this game could be a write-off just because of the whole wide receiver situation. They didn't have Landry, Peoples-Jones, Higgins, and I believe one more receiver. Um, assuming these guys all come back, um, Nate, that they should be safe heading into next week. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess in terms of the Jets, uh, they've just been pulling themselves further and further out of the Trevor Lawrence conversation with every win uh, weekly. Yeah, it looks like Trevor Lawrence can uh, 
safely come to the NFL. He doesn't have to stay in the NCAA for another year. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this Jets team actually has been pretty underrated. Jamison Crowder actually threw a touchdown pass in this game. Um, and he also caught one as well. He had 92 yards through the air. Um, uh, Braxton Berrios and Chris Herndon also had receiving touchdowns. And I mean, this team does have talent. I feel like uh, in the next couple of years, they just got to put it together and then they'll see some results. Yeah, it looks like they're starting to um, get their offense figured out. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where they take it in the next year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, moving ahead um, to the next game, uh, the Bears really needed to win if they wanted to find their way into the playoffs, and they did. Um, they they hammered the, the Jaguars 41-17. to We know the Jaguars are in line for the first overall pick. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, most likely it's going to be. And, yeah, they kind of just played like it. Uh, they started Mike Glennon. He had 211 yards for two touchdowns and two picks. Um, no James Robinson on the ground. Um, I think his name is Dere Agunbowale uh, is his name. And he had uh, 71 yards on the ground. Uh, the only, uh, well, there was two receiving touchdowns. They came to both DJ Chark and Lavishka Chanel. Um, in, in terms of Chicago, Trubisky, he's just been playing a whole lot better than he was earlier in the year. 265 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. David Montgomery, Artavis Pierce and Mitchell Trubisky all rushing for touchdowns in this game. Montgomery adding 95 yards on the ground to that, as well as 26 through the air. And Allen Robinson adding 103 yards through the air to go along with Jimmy Graham, 69 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Terry, this Chicago team's looking good. Uh, do you think they're better than Arizona at this point? Arizona? Um, Offensively-wise, they're just picking it up and then they're just beating on the teams that they should be beating on. Mm-hmm. With their defense, I mean, with guys like Khalil Mack, I believe Eddie Jackson's still on the secondary, and a few other playmakers, you assume that they would be the better team overall compared to Arizona. Even though Arizona has guys like um, Jones, Baker in their uh, defense, I mean, I feel like the Bears are just more a complete team now that Trubisky found his magic, I believe, a week or two ago. Yeah, and I, I think that this team is heading in the right direction. Um, although if they do lose next week and the Cardinals lose, they still maintain that playoff spot. But if the Cardinals do win and they and they lose to Green Bay, then uh, it, it pretty much is win uh, and you control your destiny uh, for these Chicago Bears. Um Terry, uh, let me go to you. Uh, your Bengals had a great game. Uh, can we break it down? They beat the Texans 37-31. to 31. Um, Honestly, every win they get now is a complete shock to me. I assume that ever since they lost Joe Burrow, it would just be a losing streak. Um, Honestly, Brandon Allen surprised me with like his 371 yards and two touchdowns. And then you have guys that kind of stepped it up when Joe Bernard uh, wasn't at his best. You had, I can't remember his name, but uh, Panarin, number 34 on the bank. I think bank. you pronounce it Pirines. Pirines? Pirine. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Thank you. He had probably 13 carries on 95 yards, and he had two touchdowns as well. 
even though Gio Bernard didn't have any touchdowns, he still had 16 carries with 65 yards. As always, you had T. Higgins just doing his thing and showing you that he is going to be the wideout of the future for the Bengals, having 99 yards in his touchdown. Unfortunately, you have A.J. Green. Uh, he didn't get his touchdown, but he did rack up 64 yards on top of it. For people who were hoping Drew Sample finally get a touchdown, he ended up getting it this week, even though it was just on eight yards. Um, honestly, for the Texans, I feel bad for J.J. Watt at this rate. Um, they just keep losing, and he can't do nothing about it at this rate. And you just think, when is it going to be enough for them to trade away some of these pieces for a full-on rebuild? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw J.J. Watt's frustration in that interview uh, that he had after the game. Um, although his team uh, as a whole didn't play as bad as they had been. I know Deshaun Watson has been playing stellar, even in defeat, 324 uh, through the air, three passing touchdowns. Uh, David Johnson rushing for 128 on the ground and a rushing touchdown, as well as uh, Brandon Cooks going for 141 through the air. Uh, receiving and a touchdown. And I mean, like this team has pieces, although Brandon Cooks might not stay after this season. Um, Guys like Deshaun Watson and potentially David Johnson with the capital they gave up to get him uh, should be a part of this team's offensive future going forward. Um, And then whether guys like Kiki Kuti and Chad Hansen stay around or whether they move them out and draft some additional pieces that remains to be seen. But I think it's safe to say that um, the Bengals, they are looking good. And then you throw Joe Burrow in there next year and potentially Joe Mixon. I mean, this team might be looking at six or more wins. Six or more wins. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, They just need a hope for their linebacking court to hopefully improve and pray that their secondary doesn't give up that many blown coverages. As for the Texans, you hope that um David Johnson doesn't get for next year and hopefully they can build around what you just said yeah for sure um moving on to the next game um uh, the falcons i just i guess they just find new ways to blow leads and it's it's stellar and in this game that shanked field goal at the end of the game really did it for them nate uh let me ask you uh, what did you think about this game um well I think I'm not going to have Matty Ice as my quarterback next year. (laughs) (laughs) He has not been like the best quarterback. And this Falcons team, I thought, um, was really disappointing this year. I thought they were going to be one of the best offensive teams in the league, at least. But they haven't even been able to pull that off. So, honestly, I don't know if um, we should trust them in the next season. Yeah, I think it, it's been tough. I know uh, Matt Ryan did have a decent game today, 300 through the air and uh, two touchdowns. And um, Ido Smith did have 46 yards on the ground. But this run game has just been it's been pretty bad. Um, Todd Gurley has not been getting consistent looks. He only had four looks on the ground. And I, I guess the, uh, although Hayden Hurst did have a touchdown, the only bright spot in this receiving offense would be Calvin Ridley. I think he's just been the most consistent with Julio Jones being out and um, going to Kansas city. This has just been an amazing year for an amazing team. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 278 through the air, two touchdowns and an interception. 
uh, on the ground, uh, Daryl Williams, 46 rushing yards, as well as Le'Veon Bell adding 30 rushing yards. And then Kelsey going for 98 through the air and a touchdown. Tyree Kill, 65 yards through the air. And Demarcus Robinson, 29 yards and a touchdown. Um, this team looks like they're going full force into the playoffs. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs, Nate? Um, I mean, it's the Chiefs. What's <laughs> There's not like much else to say. They're... <laughs> They're the best team in the league right now. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, they they just continue to pile on the the wins. And, I mean, they've been great for fantasy this year. Any Kansas City Chiefs top-end players that you've owned, I assume you haven't been disappointed in this year. Um, moving on to the, the next game, um, it, it was the Colts and the Steelers. And this game, the Colts rushed out to an early lead and then something happened at halftime and, and Pittsburgh just, they came out of the locker room almost like motivated to, to win. And they did. They came back and they won this game. Um, Phillip Rivers threw for 270 for the Colts with a touchdown and an interception. Jonathan Taylor ran for 74 on the ground with two touchdowns. Um, Zach Pascal caught 64 through the air and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton adding 60 yards as well. Um and then in, in terms of Pittsburgh, um, Ben Roethlisberger really stepped up in this game. He really stepped into that leadership role for this team. 342 yards through the air and three touchdowns. James Conner rushing for 20 yards and a score himself. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, 96 yards and a score. Deontay Johnson, 75 yards and a score. Eric Ebron, 47 yards and a score, as well as Chase Claypool adding 54 yards. Through the air, Terry, let me ask you, um, if both of these teams make the playoffs, which one could you see walking out of wildcard weekend with a win? It's kind of a tough question. It depends what the Steelers do on this upcoming week. Honestly, if they um, rest their players for that deserved uh, bye week they should have had probably earlier on into the season, you might see the Pittsburgh Steelers shockingly uh, coming out of the wildcard week. Uh, as for the Colts, I mean... You would expect them to get the win, but it depends who they match up on. Uh, who would they be matching up on if it came to wildcard weekend? Um, I think the way it's looking, if they get into that sixth or seventh spot, it would probably either be either Pittsburgh again or maybe Buffalo they might be looking at. If it's Buffalo, honestly, um, I got to go with Buffalo on that case. And if, as I mentioned earlier, um, if the Steelers don't rest next week, you could potentially see the Colts getting the victory in wildcard weekend. But as I said before, it depends on the rest and week 17. Yeah, for sure. I think that things could go either way on week 17 because there will be one 10 and 6 team on the outside looking in uh, for, for the, the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, might even be an 11 and five team on the outside looking in the way th if all those teams do get victories, uh, that would be pretty amazing to see um, going to the next game, the giants against the Ravens, the Ravens seem determined to make the playoffs. They beat the giants uh, 27 to 13. Uh, Terry, let me just get your thoughts on this game as well. Um, honestly, Lamar Jackson needed to do his thing. He had uh, 183 yards, I believe passing two touchdowns as well as running 80 yards on the ground. Um, Baltimore had their running backs in full sync. I think Dobbins had 77 yards, and Edwards racked up 85 yards on top of that. Um, the receiver court down in Baltimore probably had 
Um, some may say a bad day, some may say a good day, depending on who you ask. Mark Andrews probably had 76 yards, and then Hollywood Brown, 25 and one. And then Sneed, 24 on two receptions. And then Dez caught another one this week, even though it was on eight yards. Um, on the Giants side of the ball, I believe Goldman only had six carries on 27 yards. And Deion Lewis only had 15 yards altogether. Daniel Jones, probably the only bright spot fantasy-wise, maybe, with 250 yards and a touchdown. And I believe Sterling Shepard had a touchdown as well. Not 1,000% sure. Um, besides that, uh, this is just a practice game for the Baltimore Ravens. And for the New York Giants, I'm not 1,000% sure if they're still in playoff hopes in the AFC. I mean, NFC East, but you got to look forward to this team next year, just in general. Yeah, I think the Giants, if they do win and the Washington football team takes a loss next week, they can win this division. Um, yeah, like like you're saying, it's going to be tough. Uh, Dallas has been on a hot streak uh, coming into this coming game against the Giants, so it's going to be interesting to see. And then in terms of Baltimore, uh, they're fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, they're uh, with the Colts lost this week. They actually jump into that final playoff spot. So the Colts are going to be relying on another team to lose as well as for them to win, to be able to make the playoffs as they don't have all the tiebreakers that the other teams do uh, in the AFC. Um, speaking of the uh, Washington football team in that division, Nate, let me go to you uh, to break down this game that they had against the Panthers, the Panthers winning 20 to 13. Uh, well, it was a bad game for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, it was so bad he got cut from his team. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. not not the most encouraging game from them. Uh, Bridgewater did okay. He's not like a stellar quarterback, but he's getting it done. Um, they had one rushing touchdown and one uh, passing touchdown, I believe. Yeah, it was just a rough go for the football team this week. Um, yeah, um, J.D. McKissick, 77 yards through the air and a touchdown. Logan Thomas, 63 yards. And Cam Sims also receiving for 63 yards. Um, I believe they, they only had one touchdown. I believe the other two were field goals. Um, and uh, Taylor Henneke was the one who threw that touchdown as Dwayne Haskins threw two interceptions before being pulled from the game. Um, Antonio Gibson was back. He rushed for 61 on the ground. He looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, this, this football team really needs Alex Smith to come back next week. Uh, they really need an offensive push that they had in the weeks uh, prior. And in terms of the Panthers, they're, they're not really playing for anything right now. Teddy Bridgewater, 197 yards and a touchdown and an interception. Curtis Samuel, 52 on the ground, as well as Mike Davis with 28 on the ground and a score. Uh, Curtis Samuel also adding 106 through the air. Robbie Anderson adding 39 through the air and a touchdown. And DJ Moore adding 37 through the air. Um, yeah, this Panthers team is just sort of just running out the, re the remaining games uh, uh, of their season. And they, they really played spoiler well against a Washington football team that was looking to gain ground in their division. Um, speaking of the... NFC East division, the Cowboys hammered on the Eagles 37 to 17. Um, Andy Dalton looked pretty amazing in this game. 
going uh, for 377 through the air, three touchdowns and an interception. Ezekiel Elliott, 105 yards on the ground. And CeeDee Lamb rushing 19 yards for that touchdown. Um, Amari Cooper adding 121 through the air, as well as Michael Gallup adding the same with two touchdowns. Uh, CeeDee Lamb adding 65 through the air and a touchdown with Elliott receiving for 34 through the air as well. Um, Terry, this Cowboys team, they have a chance of making the playoffs. Anything's possible in the NFC East at this rate. Um, honestly, I don't know what to predict when it comes to the NFC East. Uh, I mean, one week it's going to be the Cowboys, the next week it was the Eagles, and then now it's currently the Washington football team. I'm already. Uh, Honestly, on the Eagles side, the only, thing, the only thing you can look forward to uh, going into next year is probably Miles Sanders, as well as what do they do with the wideout core, whether they keep Greg Ward, if they keep Travis, or if they keep Deshaun Jackson, or they just cut him, honestly. And then you have the tight end problem with uh, Zach Ertz and then Goddard. Honestly, this whole division is a mess at this rate. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, Miles Sanders did have a good game, 57 on the ground and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts rushing for 69 himself, throwing 342 yards and a touchdown, but also throwing two interceptions. Deshaun Jackson had that long reception for 81 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Quez Watkins added 57 yards through the air as most of this core was pretty quiet in terms of receivers and tight ends. Um uh, Nate, I guess this is the end of the Eagles' run. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think they're officially eliminated at this point. So their next game is pretty much just a formality. Yeah, I think they could potentially play spoiler to the Washington football team as uh, they know they're trying to win the division. And I'm not 100% confident in the Washington football team at this moment in terms of their offense. We'll have to see if Alex Smith is going to play um, Terry, let me go to you for the, the next game. It was the, the Chargers and the uh, Broncos. And uh, could you break down this game for us? Um, honestly, fantasy-wise, uh, you had Justin Herbert, 253 yards and touchdown. Austin Eckler, if you probably drafted him in the second round, maybe even third, he gave you uh, 10 carries on 45 yards as well as receiving-wise. He got you uh, – Three receptions, 23 yards, and a touchdown. Wide receiver core over in L.A. probably gave you Mike Williams at four receptions and 54 yards. And aside from that, probably if you picked up Anderson if, and if you got lucky, he gave you four receptions on 48 yards. Um, On the Broncos' end of the football, Melvin Gordon, now that Philip Lindsay is on IR, I believe, he gave you 79 yards on 16 carries. And Drew Locke, if for some reason you picked him up, he gave you 264 yards and two interceptions. Um, the receiving court down in Denver, I believe, gave no offense at 65 yards and six receptions, as well as Sean Hamilton at five receptions and 77 yards. Um, this game was just two teams trying to figure out themselves for next year, who to keep, who to cut, and look at what their quarterbacks were giving them. 
Yeah, I, I think that um, the Chargers do have a good thing in Justin Herbert, as well as uh, I think they should keep Austin Eckler around. Uh, he's been he's been playing pretty well. They didn't have Keenan Allen in this game, obviously, but I think the Chargers do have a pretty good offensive core. But I don't know if I can say the same thing about the Denver Broncos. Um, just moving on to uh, the next game on the slate, uh, the Rams played the Seahawks. Uh, Nate, let me get your thoughts on this game. The Seahawks actually won the division by winning this game. Well. I guess I'll start by say, going with the Rams and say they had an amazing kicking game this week. Um, I think they had nine points worth of field goals, but <laughs> that was basically their entire offense. So <laughs> there's not much else to say about that. Um, for the Seahawks, that was a pretty good win. Um, I think Russell Wilson had one passing touchdown and he had a, about 60% completion. So it was okay. Not the best game for Russell Wilson, but it was all right. Yeah, I think that uh, this Rams team definitely needs an offensive spark. Jared Goff did get hurt in this game. We don't know his status going into uh, the playoffs. I know he probably won't play next week, as next week uh, might be more of a formality um, in terms of that. And um, yeah, this the Seahawks team looks like they're pushing forward to the playoffs. Uh, Chris Carson adding 69 on the ground, as well as Metcalf adding 59 through the air. Um, Jacob Hollister having the receiving touchdown on this team and Wilson running in the rushing score. Yeah, the Seahawks team looks like they are in a better place than the LA Rams at this point. The Rams having lost both the Seahawks and the Jets the week prior, as well as this golf injury concern. I, I don't know. The Rams might be one and done this year. I don't know what you think about that, Terry. When it's done, uh, I'm assuming he needs to do surgery on that thumb because honestly, uh, that just looks I don't even have words to describe how that looks at this rate. Um, who's the backup quarterback down in uh, LA at the moment? I heard it was an AAF quarterback, so yeah, they're they're in quite a bit of trouble. Uh, with Jared Goff going down whether they sign someone this week and put him through the COVID protocols heading into the playoffs I don't know what they do there but we'll definitely have to keep an eye on their situation um, moving forward uh, Terry Green Bay just laid a pounding on the Titans in this snow game they just know how to play games in the snow um, 40 to 14 was the final score um, let me just get your thoughts on both teams um, honestly, if you stop the Titans run game, which is kind of hard, especially with Derrick Henry, just that big of a man, you don't expect him to have, I would say, a normal game like this. Even though he got 98 yards on 23 carries, um, you expected him to get over the 100-yard mark. And this kind of shows you that this Titans offense, when you stop Henry, um, you're going to have a fighting chance. Tannehill only had 121 yards, and then on top of that, even though he got a touchdown, he had two interceptions. With A.J. Brown, he had four receptions on 43 yards. John Smith was surprisingly their second-best receiver um, with three receptions on 30 yards and a touchdown. So I don't know what to tell you when it comes to the Titans' offense. As for the Packers, A.J. Dillon was a surprising uh, fantasy-relevant player. He had two touchdowns on 124 yards. Aaron Rodgers 
four touchdowns, even though he had an interception and 231 yards. Devontae Adams always does his thing. And honestly, it was just the Devontae Adams show if you picked up a wide receiver from Green Bay. Everyone else probably had under 25 yards, if anything, on this team. Yeah, I think uh, this team as a whole played really well. Aaron Jones also adding 94 on the ground. Um, yeah, just looking forward, um, we don't know whether Green Bay is going to rest how many players or if any against Chicago, as they do know that this game is really uh, important for Chicago. So we'll have to monitor that moving forward. As for the Titans, I think they'll be full go next week as they're still trying to lock up their playoff spot. Um, looking at the, the Monday night game, uh, the Bills just had their way with the Patriots. And as a Patriots fan, it, it was a very tough game to watch. Um, just many things not going their way in that game. Uh, looking at the Bills, we had Josh Allen throwing for 320 and four touchdowns. Um, Zach Moss rushed for 57 on the ground and a touchdown. Um, Stefan Diggs through the air, 145 yards and three touchdowns. He had an amazing game. Dawson Knox adding 51 receiving yards through the air as well. And they just kept putting the pressure on. Even when they went up by like three scores, they just continued to keep their foot on the gas and they're, they're just continuing to push forward, heading into the playoffs as they've secured their, their playoff spot um, going forward. And in terms of the Patriots, both Jared Stidham and Cam Newton played in this game, none of them having over 100 passing yards or any passing touchdowns. Um, the bright spot on the ground for them was Sony Michelle with 69 rushing yards on 10 attempts and uh, Cam Newton rushing for 24 yards and their only touchdown of the game. Um, yeah, the, it, it was just a, a rough goal for the Patriots as they'll be looking to sort of retool their roster heading into next season, hopefully getting a lot healthier as well. Potentially their opted out players coming back. And then in terms of the Buffalo Bills, um, they control their own destiny, even in the playoffs. They, they just have to find a way to consistently keep doing what they're doing. I know their offense has been the best part of their game. And if their defense can sort of meet them at that level, then they can be a dangerous team I think going forward uh, Nate let me just get your thoughts uh, on the Buffalo Bills they were looking really good um, I think they might be one of the stronger teams than the playoffs this season um, Josh Allen is just he can he can run he can pass he can he's like a really good um, player on the team and they're just a really good offense overall so yeah, I think that this team definitely has um, a lot to prove this coming playoffs as they didn't have a good playoffs last year. So we'll have to see uh, how that how that happens going forward. And um, l let's just uh, go straight to our uh, preview for next week, guys. All right, we're going to take a look at the Week 17 slate of games for the NFL. Um, this week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, who might win each game as well as which teams will be full go in terms of uh, your fantasy lineup uh, for these games. Uh, all games will be taking place on Sunday, January the 3rd. Um, they'll run from 1 p.m. all the way to the Sunday night game at 8.20 p.m. Uh, we'll start with the, the Dolphins and the Bills. Um, I'll start with you, Nate. Who, who do you see winning this game? The Dolphins and the Bills. I think that's going to be uh, – I think it could be close, but I think the Bills might be able to um, get a win still. 
Um, Terry, what do you think? Uh, if assuming the Bills start Josh Allen, do you see them winning or do you see the Dolphins taking this? I gotta go with Buffalo on this. I mean, their offense is so high powered. Um, even though they don't rely on the running game so much, their passing game is just, I believe, probably one of the top 10 in the league at this rate. Um, yeah, if Josh Allen even plays uh, half a game, that should be good for fantasy owners. Um, but uh, if if he does struggle at the beginning because of this Miami defense, that could end up being an issue. The Bills have been very consistent going forward. Um, I just don't see the Dolphins finding a way to lose this game. There's just too much on the line for them. And especially if we're talking about Josh Allen potentially sitting out the second half, uh, the, all the Dolphins players should be full goal for fantasy. Uh, also, Devontae Parker, assuming he does play in this game, should be a full goal for fantasy as they do need him to produce. And uh, I don't know. I believe the Dolphins should win this game as their playoff hopes depend on it. Um, moving forward to the Saints and Panthers, um, the Saints are just playing for a playoff spot at this point. I don't know how many of their starters they play. And the Panthers are sort of just playing out their remaining slate. They should play most of their players but um terry let me get your thoughts on this game uh, do the saints take this or is this sort of a trap game for them um honestly if they don't rest kamara or even breeze i gotta go with the saints on it no matter what um with the panthers you're probably going to see everyone playing just trying to figure out who gets a contract next year who they cut in this coming off season uh just give me the Saints at this rate. Ooh, that. Yeah, I think I. Uh, it's safe to say that even if um, Breeze doesn't play, you'll see Taysom Hill in there. And if Kamara doesn't play, you'll see Latavius Murray in there, as well as Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders should be playing in this game, possibly Traquan Smith. But I think this Saints team is loaded enough to be able to get the win here. What are your thoughts on that, Nate? Who do you see taking this game? Um, I'm taking the Saints as well. Um. The Saints are just too deep, even if they didn't play their best players. I think they would still have the advantage over the Panthers. Yeah, I think that seems like the the common scenario here. Um, let's take a look at the next game. This game has playoff implications. It's the Packers against the Bears. Um, I, I know this is a must-win game for Chicago. Uh, whether they win it or not will depend on whether... Uh, Rodgers and company play for the Packers. Uh, Terry, what are you looking at for this game? Honestly, the only thing I'm looking at right now is to see if uh, Aaron Rodgers gets the rest. Same goes with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Um, as you did mention, the Bears are fight, fighting for their playoff lives, and it's not, and they have to worry about other teams losing as well. So hopefully, if you're a Bears fan, you're praying that the Packers rest all of their starters. And if you're a Packers fan, you want to play spoilers right now against this Chicago team. Uh, Nate, what are your thoughts on who might win this game? Um, It's pretty much the same as you guys. Like, it pretty much depends on if uh, Aaron Rodgers is starting this week or not. But I think if they do start Aaron Rodgers, I'd say Green Bay still has the advantage. But it's the dark horse, so we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, Mitch Trubisky has just been amazing the past few weeks. He's been surprisingly good um, these past few weeks. And um, whether he can carry them to a playoff win, I think, in my opinion, also should depend on whether Aaron Rodgers does 
play in this game. Uh, it's just one of those uh, things that um, just looking at it, uh, Chicago might actually catch a break if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play and they might find their way into that final playoff spot. Um, Terry, let me go right back to you with your Bengals playing against the Ravens. I know that the, the Bengals should be playing most of their players as they are playing for starting jobs, but the Ravens are going to be a full goal trying to get this playoff spot. I don't know. I just don't see the Ravens losing this game. Exactly. You got to go with the Ravens on this. Um, I feel like the luck has run out for the Bengals and they're just going to run into a high-powered offense led by Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, it's just it's just tough to see anyway the, the Bengals win this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nate, going to you, uh, what are your thoughts here? As much as I'd like to say the Bengals are going to win, I can't really say that. Um, unfortunately, it looks like the Ravens have the advantage. They just have the deeper team overall. And I'm just not sure if the Bengals have the defense to stop that. Um, uh, just getting the news that Mason Rudolph will be the starting quarterback for the Steelers in this game. Uh, how do you feel about your Cleveland Browns uh, taking this game? Well, it looks like they actually have a chance. Um Mason Rudolph is not nearly as good as uh, Big Ben and we'll have an interesting uh, rematch between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I believe Cleveland is also getting their wide receiver core back. I just don't see them losing in this game. Uh, their defense will definitely be motivated as you shared the whole Miles Garrett incident from last season. Uh, Terry, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, now that you mentioned uh, the resting starters down in Pittsburgh, you got to go a safe bet on this and you got to go with the Browns. I mean, if they're just going to go the route of uh, resting players now, you just rest, uh, I guess, Juju, maybe even um, Deontay Johnson and let Chase get a couple more reps since he's a rookie and he's still young, right? As for the running backs, just let James Carter, uh, Connor get some rest and hopefully Benny Snell try something against this, uh, Cleveland defense. Yeah, um, it just seems like the the Browns should be going full force uh, in terms of their fantasy players. Um, So I believe it's safe to say that if you have a week 17 league, that you can just start all Cleveland Brown players in this game. Um, Moving on to the Vikings and the Lions, um, I think it's safe to say that the Lions will be sitting out Matthew Stafford after the last two weeks of him getting banged up with injuries, as well as Kenny Galladay won't play in this game. Uh, You might see a lot of the younger guys like DeAndre Swift and so forth. And with the Vikings, um, I'm not really sure what they're going to be doing in this game. They might just play, let their players play out the final game of the season. Um, In that case, I would lean towards the Vikings, uh, whether they start their starters or maybe some of their, their bench players. Terry, what do you think about this? Honestly, these are both teams that are out of the playoffs and their hopes are gone down uh, the drain, the wishing well, whatever you want to call it. Um, as you did mention, uh, just benching Stafford is the best move for the Lions at this rate. If they hope to get any value out of him or if they just want him good for next year. As for the Vikings, I mean, you got guys like Thielen and then Cook that probably want some reps, but then they won't play the whole entire game. As for guys like Jefferson and maybe Smith at tight end, you could see them playing the whole entire game just because they're younger guys and hopefully um, no injuries happen for the Vikings going into the offseason. 
Yeah, Nate, uh, who would you take in this game? Um, I think I would still take the Vikings. Like, even though this is just basically just a formality game, I think the Vikings might still want to put on a bit of a show. And the Lions don't have their starting quarterbacks. So um, I don't really see the Lions winning this week. Yeah, I think that both teams, there's the potential for them to rest players as in as also the next game with the Kansas City Chiefs facing the LA Chargers. Um, the Chargers should sit Keenan Allen out of this final regular season game as he's dealt with injuries. Um, the rest of their team, I believe, should play, you know, just so they can see where they are in terms of uh, talent development. And uh, in terms of Kansas City, I think they'll be resting a lot of their players. Um, I still think the Chiefs can take this game. Uh, just depends on how much they want Patrick Mahomes to play. Um, this Chiefs defense is also very superior to the LA Chargers. So I just don't see a way of them losing, even if Patrick Mahomes misses most of this game. Nate, what are your thoughts on who might win this game? Um, I think because it's the Chiefs, we shouldn't really count them out. Um, they pretty much always have a chance to win, even if they're not starting their best players. Um, yeah, Terry, what are your thoughts also? Um, honestly, you got to go with the Chiefs on this. Um, Chargers are probably playing for pride just for the uh, new defensive coach. Um, you can honestly say that even if Patrick Mahomes is out, the backup quarterback's just going to uh, – fit in pretty well with the offense down in Kansas. Aside from that, it's just a punching bag game for the Chiefs and just trying to get more reps before their bye week. Yeah, I believe their backup quarterback is Jordan Tamu from the Battle Hawks of the XFL, and he was one of the better XFL players last season. And uh, Kansas City really liked what they saw, and they signed him to their practice squad um, I assume that he is going to be taking the backup role in this game. Um, moving forward to another game where I guess they're just going to be evaluating talent. It's the Patriots against the Jets. I don't see Cam Newton starting in this game. And even if he did, it wouldn't be for the full game. Jared Stidham will definitely be getting a look at quarterback. As well as I believe Sam Darnold will be getting a look at quarterback for the Jets. Um, uh, it just depends on the extent of the injuries for the Patriots. Uh, if they can't roster a decent level uh, of defense, uh, I don't see them winning in this game based on the way the Jets have been playing the last two or three weeks. Um, but if the Patriots can somehow uh, start guys like Devin McCourty that were hurt last game, as well as um, sort, sort of just um, get a decent lineup on the field, I believe they can win this game. Uh, Nate, what are your thoughts? I think it's going to be a back and forth game. It could go either way. Um like you said, it depends whether or not the Patriots are going to be starting all of their players. And for the Jets, they were they just came off a really good game against the Browns. And for some reason, they're, they forgot they're in tank mode. So it looks like they'll be going in full force. Yeah, Terry, what are your thoughts uh, on who might win this game? Honestly, you're going to hate me for this one, but I feel like the Jets are going to win this. Um, They just beat the Browns. They beat the Rams two weeks ago. Uh, as you said, they're just evaluating talent, so you're going to have a lot of guys fighting for contracts or even just to keep their livelihoods in this game. So I feel like the Jets are going to have a chip on their shoulders and they're going to come with a, a W. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I, I mean, as a Patriots fan, I, I kind of have to agree at this point. Um, the Patriots just, they aren't playing for anything. Uh, it seems like the Jets are more likely to start their their starters in this game compared to the Patriots. So I think that uh, if the Jets have more starters on the field, it, it'll just be a formality for them to win this game. And um, moving on to um, more um, top-end playoff implication games, uh, the Cowboys are facing the Giants in New York. And this game, if the Washington football team does lose, this game will determine who wins this division. Um, Terry, who are you taking, the Cowboys or the Giants? I feel like the Cowboys might pull this one off just due to the fact that they're on a three-game winning streak right now. And as well as the Giants and Washington, almost the whole entire division in the uh, NFC East is just on a losing streak. And I feel like after the win last week, um, the Cowboys are just going to find their way into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I can tend to agree with that. I just don't like the way the Giants have played the last two or three weeks. They just haven't looked like the team that I know that they can be uh, moving forward. Um, this will definitely be a test for them, but I, I can also see the Cowboys winning in this game. What about you, Nate? Who do you like in this game? Um, I think that Dallas has the advantage on paper. Um, I think just like uh, names-wise, like, for example, Zeke Elliott, um, just from that, I think they have the advantage. Uh, the Giants are pretty good, but they haven't been playing to their potential, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's just going to be a tough road for the Giants. I think they got to keep the score down if they want any chance in this game. Because if you go into a shootout, uh, Andy Dalton's the red rifle. He just slings the ball like no one's business. Uh, Terry, you can attest to that, him being a part of the Bengals for a long time. Um, moving to the other interesting game in this division, the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I believe the Eagles will be rolling with all their starters in this game because they need to evaluate talents like Jalen Hurts, like Miles Sanders, like Jalen Rager and others. Um, I think that these two teams will be both fighting for pride with the Washington football team, potentially fighting for the division. Um, if Alex Smith plays, uh, do you see the Washington football team winning, Nate, or do you see the Eagles taking this one? It's hard to say because they're both bad, so... It pretty much comes down to which team is worse. Um, I think the Washington football team, uh, they have like some potential offensively, but they just lost their starting quarterback. So I think I'm going to go with the Eagles, but I think it might be close. All right, Terry, what about you? Who do you like in this game if Alex Smith plays? Alex Smith plays, I feel like... They might squeak out a win, but that's just my heart saying. Yeah, I feel the Eagles, they're going to come out with a win just due to Hurts trying to prove this whole organization uh, that they that he is the future. Um, Last week, he did go off, and you're hoping that he does ride this momentum into this coming week against the Washington football team. Um, All you got to hope for now, if Alex Smith is playing, is that he catches fire early. He uh, finds Logan Thomas or either Terry McLaurin, and they just go on a quick uh, 14-0 run. Yeah, um, I just want to point this out that um, when Alex Smith announced that he was going to return at the beginning of this season, um, 
I was one of the first people to point out that uh, this team definitely has playoff potential if Alex Smith is the starting quarterback <clears throat> of this team. And I, I just felt that all the way throughout the season and eventually when they named him the starter, I praised uh, Ron Rivera for that move and it seems to have worked out uh, in their favor. I just think that this team just rallies around Alex Smith. He's that type of locker room guy. He's the kind of guy that, you know, will step in there and take full leadership of this team. So I think if he does play, no, no matter what capacity he plays at, I think the, the Washington football team can put together a good enough game to get into the playoffs. Um, looking at uh, the Falcons against the Bucks, um, both of these teams don't have much to play for. Uh, Julio Jones will most likely sit out of this game for the Falcons. And on the side of the Bucks, I assume Tom Brady will sit out most of this game, as well as guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, you most likely won't see Ronald Jones. And if you do see Ronald Jones, you might not see Leonard Fournette. So in terms of the Bucs, I don't know about fantasy-wise, but in terms of the game, Terry, who do you see winning this? For some reason, I feel like um, the Falcons might win this if the Bucs do decide to rest their starters. If you see like a handful of starters, probably like Leonard Fournette for probably half of the game, maybe even A.D., being a number one receiver if Godwin and Evans are out and they do go on to early lead against the Falcons, I feel like the Bucks might pull it off. Um, Falcons, as for most of these teams that are fighting for contracts, they're going to probably play all their starters, just evaluate who's um, who they can keep for next year. Aside from that, uh, boy... Give me the Bucks at this rate. I don't even know for this matchup. All right, Nate, what about you? Who do you like here? Um, To be honest, I would still take the Bucks over the Falcons, even if the Falcons had their starters, not because of their offense, but because of their defense. They haven't been able to get any proper stops. And the even on their offense, they, they haven't been playing to what they could be on paper. So, yeah, I'd take the Bucks. I'm actually going to lean with the Falcons on this one, guys. I think if Matt Ryan does play, it's sort of a prove-it game for him. Um, the Falcons might be looking to move on from him at the end of this season. Uh, he's got to do something to sort of prove that he should be their guy moving forward. And if they have guys like Calvin Ridley in the lineup, um, potentially if they factor in Todd Gurley more on the ground and the Bucs don't have a lot of their starters, I think the Falcons can pull off this game. They had a good showing against the Chiefs. It didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to. But their, their run defense especially has overall been uh, very underrated this season. Um, moving on to the Raiders and the Broncos, uh, this team, will, these both of these teams actually will be definitely evaluating their talent. I don't see them resting a lot of players. I think that they're just going to play this game as if it was the final game of the season and just sort of go for the win. Uh, Terry, who do you see winning this game? For some reason, I have a feeling that... Um... I feel like the Raiders might win this just due to the fact that the offense in Denver kind of looks horrible. Um, you don't have a clear-cut number one receiver that's probably going to just take over a game. You still have to decide between Tim Tr Patrick, um, uh, who else is down there right now? Hamler, exactly, Judy as well, and then you have Fant. Um, it's a spread-the-wealth type of offense, yet you don't have one guy that stands out. Melvin Gordon, even though he just signed a contract, he probably might just rest. 
and we're going to see a lot of Royce Freeman coming from the backfield. And then you have uh, Locke. I mean, if he plays like last week with two interceptions, I feel like the Raiders are going to win. With the Raiders, on the other hand, I mean, you got Waller, you have who else there? Can't even think off the top of my head. I know Josh Jacobs is there, and if he does sit, you have a reliable uh, running back in Booker. Aside from that, um, give me the Raiders, probably by a lot. Yeah, I think even if Derek Carr sits, you'll have Mariota back there. You'll have a, a competent quarterback throwing the ball. I just can't see the Raiders losing if they put up over 20 to 25 points because I don't think the Broncos can keep up in terms of that kind of scoring. So I think the Raiders should take this game. Nate, what are your thoughts? Um, same with you guys, the Raiders. Um, the Raiders have beaten better teams than the Broncos, so I don't really see how the Broncos are going to win. Yeah, it's it's an interesting game as there's not really any playoff implications to it, but I believe both teams do have something to play for in terms of talent evaluation. Uh, moving on to some games that have real playoff implications, uh, Tennessee Titans will be looking to clinch their playoff spot this week against the Houston Texans. I assume both teams will should be a full go in this game as the Texans are trying to play spoiler and evaluate their talent as well. And the Titans, of course, pushing for the playoffs. I just see the Titans taking this game. They can't afford to have another dud game like they had last week. I think Derrick Henry will come in full force against this um, porous Texans uh, front line that just can't stop a beach ball at this point. They just, they, they're going to get run through like a train by Derrick Henry in this game, um, Nate, uh, what are your thoughts on who might win this? Um, I don't see how they're going to stop Derrick Henry. He's literally, you might as well just put a piece of paper in front of him at this point because <laughs> he, you're just not going to stop him. So <laughs> I really don't see them beating the Titans pretty much. They're pretty much defend, dependent on their being able to outscore the Titans. Yeah, Terry, what about you? Texans defense is just makeshift at this rate. Um, we possibly might see J.J. Watt play his last game as the Texan, especially if he is frustrated with how the organization is going about. Um, give me the Titans and by a lot. Um, aside from that, as you said, evaluating talent on the Texan side, Titans are going to be playing their starters until they either blow out the Texans or um, – until the last whistle is blown. So yeah, Texans. I mean, Titans. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we're, we're all taking the Titans in this game. It's just, it should be a formality for them. Derrick Henry should be amazing on the ground in this game. Um, moving to another game in that division, the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the Jaguars probably will rest James Robinson. I don't see him starting in this game. And they should be also sitting out Gardner Minshew as um, Mike Glennon should be the starting quarterback once again this week. Um, and the Colts will be just rolling out all their starters in full force. So I don't see the Colts losing this game, especially with the Jaguars potentially attempting to tank for Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't see a way for the Colts to lose this game, even though they did lose their first meeting at the beginning of the season. Uh, Terry, what are your thoughts? Uh, give me the Colts by a lot. As for some of these matchups, as I said, um, Jaguars, I know if you're probably playing fantasy in week 17, they're uh, 
backup running back is pretty good from what they were mentioning in the start of the season, even before uh, Robinson was going off. Uh, aside from that, uh, give me Colts, as I said. Uh, Nate, what about you? You like the Colts as well? Yeah, the Colts are like, they're another playoff potential team and the Jaguars are tanking right now. So it's like, if they actually win, they're pretty much hurting themselves at this point. So I don't see why the Colts would lose. Yeah, I think that we're all in the same boat in terms of this game. Um, Apparently the Rams have not clinched a playoff spot yet from what I'm seeing here. So apparently this Cardinals-Rams game is for a playoff spot, and I don't know if the loser will make the playoffs. I think it just also depends on that Chicago game as well. I think that um, if the Cardinals win this game, then the Rams can still make the playoffs if Chicago loses. But if Chicago wins, then the winner of this game will be the final playoff team. So it will be interesting, actually. Both teams will definitely be rolling their starters, except for the Rams, who most likely won't have Jared Goff in this game. Um, I actually think the Cardinals take this. They have to take this. They, they can't lose to an AAF starting quarterback. Uh, Nate, what are your thoughts on who might win this? Um, I think that after seeing last game and how basically a kicker was carrying their offense, uh, I think the Rams are going to lose. Uh, definitely take the Cardinals. Um, Terry, what about you? If the Rams do rest their starters, give me the Cardinals. But if the Rams do want to play spoilers against their division rivals and just play all their starters just to make their lives miserable, give me the Rams. All depends up um, depends 30 minutes before game day. I think actually the Rams will be starting Malcolm Brown at running back as both Henderson and Akers are out with injuries as well as they Jared Goff will not start at quarterback for them. And um, the Rams, uh, although they might be wanting to play spoiler, I don't know if their playoffs is locked for them either. So there's a chance that the Rams actually miss the playoffs if they lose in this game and the Bears uh, do win. But I don't know if they'll be able to do anything about that with the offense looking the way it is right now. Um, and then the, the final game on the slate, the Seahawks against the 49ers. Um, apparently, George Kittle wants to keep playing. So I just assume that they, they're just going to let him play. Um, it looks like both teams should be starting all of their players. Um, the Seahawks might rest Wilson in the second half if they don't feel like they, he needs to play. They might rest Metcalf as well, potentially Chris Carson. So you might see Carlos Hyde in this game. Um I might take the upset here, actually. I like the 49ers, uh, especially, you know, with Kittle coming back. And if the Seahawks do rest anybody, I'm going to take the 49ers here. What about you, Nate? I think the 49ers have a chance to pull an upset, but I'm not sure if the Seahawks will want to rest all their players. They might want to keep some players on the field just in case, but it all kind of depends on that, I guess. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Terry? Um, I want to say the Seahawks just due to the fact that the Niners offense hasn't been as productive as we expected. But since you say Kittle is or is wanting to play, um, I feel like one man doesn't make the whole entire team. I got to go with the Seahawks here. 
All right. Uh, this slate looks great for this week. There's going to be some great matchups. And if you are playing fantasy in week 17, probably just take a look at the practice reports and the inactives list heading into games. Just play off of that. It's very tough to play fantasy in week 17, but um, hopefully we've provided you a sort of analysis on which teams should be a full go in terms of fantasy. And I, I think you should be good heading into week 17. Uh, let's move on to our uh, NBA um, pickups for this week, guys. All right, welcome to the NBA portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Uh, we'll be talking about some fantasy pickups uh, under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues uh, that you might be able to pick up. Um, and we'll also just be talking uh, generally over uh, what has happened in the NBA this week. Um, I'm joined once again by Nate and Terry. Welcome, guys. So, how's it going? Yeah, let's just hop right into it. Uh, Nate, I'll start with you. Um, maybe give me two or three guys that, that you like and, and and let me know why uh, you want people to pick up these fantasy players. Sure. Um, I got th- uh, three pickups. Um, Lugens, Dort, um, Lonnie Walker, and Ennis Kenner. Um, let's see. Check. So Lugens, Dort, um, last game he had 20 points, I think. Uh, 20 points, three rebounds, and five assists. And he's like really, he's going fast and he's like, he gets like heavy minutes. Oh, my bad. He got 26 points, two rebounds, and one assist. He's averaging 20 points, three rebounds, and 1.5 assists. So, um, he's going fast. Uh, I think 29% added him last, the last day. So, if you really need a scorer on your team, try to pick him up as fast as you can. And uh, for uh, Lonnie Walker, he's getting, I think, four, three, 16 points, one rebound, one assist, one block. So he's like getting something in every category and he gets a decent field, field goal. So he's a good player to have just to kind of like cover multiple categories. If you don't have someone like, like that at like a lower end. And for Ennis Kanner, honestly, I don't know why he's like so low. He's like 20% owned, I think. And he's like averaging a double double this season. So if you don't have him, try to pick him up if you can. All right. That sounds good. I think that you've generally covered a few different positions, and those are some good pickups. Um, I'll move over to you, Terry. Uh, who are th- two or three guys that you might be looking at uh, managers picking up in the NBA? Um, just a few days ago, I would have went with Alex Burke um, out of basically New York Knicks. Probably through this whole last week, um, he was under 50%, but probably when this podcast does come out, he'll be over 50%. Um, with New York Knicks and probably veteran or uh, players that just get tossed around the league, they usually play a lot of minutes at the start of the season. For example, Trey Burke, um, probably a few years back, I remember he had like a hot stretch of games before he basically got sat for some of the younger guys. Alex Burke, he's going to be a short-term um, solution to probably a couple of long-term problems in your fantasy lineup. But for now, I just suggest you pick him up. He was averaging over last week probably 20 points, three and a half assists, three and a half rebounds, probably a steal as well. And he won't tank your percentages, if anything else. Um, another guy I would go with is probably Kyle Anderson. 
as I mentioned in the sleeper, uh, the sleeper part of last week's podcast, the front court of the Grizzlies is just looking is just being held together by him and Jonas Valanciunas. At this rate, um, you're just going to see a lot of touches coming through Kyle Anderson, whether he's going to be facilitating or just waiting in the corner for an easy three ball. Um, and hopefully this Grizzly team will bounce back. But knowing them bouncing back through all the health issues, I guarantee you Kyle Anderson will be slowly moved out of the uh, out of the later projections of the starting lineups or even the rotation for the Grizzlies, maybe in the 72 game mark. As for centers, I would go with Mason Plumlee. Um, Jaleel Orkford most likely won't get a lot of minutes, especially knowing Dwayne Casey having a short leash on some players. So expect Isaac's, Isaiah Stewart and Jaleel Okafor holding um, bench minutes when it comes to center. As for my final one, I would go with Nas Reed. Um, he's basically, how should I say it? A handcuff when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns. If Carl Anthony Towns does miss minutes for carrying um, the Minnesota Timberwolves, expect Nas Reed to basically fill into that center role position. Only thing I would worry about when it comes to Nas Reed is that um, it's just his conditioning when it comes to him. That was a problem last year, and hopefully it improves on it this year, and then he'll become a little sleeper for when Cat does get injured. All right, that sounds good. Um, I want to just talk about some pickups that I have as well. Um, let's shift over to the Toronto Raptors and Aaron Baines. I know that the hot pickup right now for the Raptors is Chris Boucher. I believe he's, uh, I believe over the last uh, two days, he's been owned now in 70% or so of leagues. He's jumped up about 40% in the past couple of days. And um, I do want to go to Aaron Baines because a lot of people are dropping Aaron Baines for Chris Boucher. And I can, I, I can say that that is a, it's a wise move because Chris Boucher should continue to grow in, in this lineup and, and moving forward. But I still think Aaron Baines does have a role with this team. Um, he's still the starting center on this team. He's still going to get top end minutes when they play a big lineup. He will play the five and they will move Boucher to the four most likely. And um, this just uh, still seems to be uh, a team that wants to run Aaron Baines uh, in as many minutes as they do. And he has been close to a double double, um, you know, here and there with blocks, his uh, percentages are, are pretty good as well. So I think he's still someone that can be owned. If someone did drop him in your league for, for Chris Boucher, I think he's someone that you can add to your team and he won't uh, disappoint you in, in terms of fantasy production. Um, moving, <clears throat> moving over um, to the forward position, I have Nick Batum. I know Mete talked about him last week as a sleeper. Um, with Kawhi Leonard uh, being out for um, Lord knows how long, um, Batum, I think, has solidified himself in the starting lineup. It uh, looks like uh, Morris won't be back uh, soon uh, anyway. So, uh, and the way Batum has played, uh, I believe that you can add him. Uh, I believe right now he's only about 20 to 25% owned in most leagues. So he's readily available. Um, he's, he's been putting up amazing lines. Like uh, in one of the past games, he, he put up a 13, 10, and 4 line. Um, he, he's just very steady. Uh, he'll put up points. Uh, rebounds assists um he'll add steals i believe one of the games he had two steals the other one he had one steal um and it, he'll add some blocks as well 
Um, he's perfect on the, the free, free throw line this season. So um, he, he just seems to be solid all, all around the court. Um, he, he's a depth add for sure. And I think that with the starting minutes, he can definitely provide some fantasy value for you. Um, and then just adding one more player, I'll add um, Monte Morris. Um, he, he's just um, <clears throat> played fantastic so far this season uh, for Denver. Um, yeah, he, he's more of a deep reach, I think, if you're in a deep league and you, you, you sort of want to get the edge on, on a pickup. I think Monte Morris is someone you can look at uh, in his uh, past uh, couple of games. He's finished uh, with at least uh, four to five assists um, between uh, 12 to 15 points. Um, he'll add some rebounds for you as well, some steals, some blocks. He's just sort of that all-around guy, and he really shouldn't hurt your percentages. Um, he's definitely improving at the free throw line as well, uh, and his field goal percentage is, is really high. So I think that um, as sort of a, a deep reach, Monte Morris is definitely that guy that you can maybe throw on your bench and start if need be. He can give you an advantage over some of the other teams. Um, that wraps up our pickups, but I, I just want to get to you guys, Terry, I'll start with you. Uh, just some general thoughts on the season. Um, and, you know, you can talk about maybe some teams, maybe some players. Uh, I'd just like to move that over to you. Honestly, um, it's just the start of the season. And just remember, due to the fact that we are in this unfortunate situation. Uh, the fans won't be available to be seated inside any of these arenas. So this may play a factor when it comes to some of these players' mindsets. Some of these guys will just think of it as another scrimmage instead of imagining over 15,000 people in the stands just either cheering or booing them. Um, some teams that are surprising Coming out of the East right now, probably the Orlando Magic and Cleveland Cavaliers, when you think about it. I think they're both off to the 3-0 start. Guys that really pop out on Cleveland right now is probably their backcourt duo. Uh, Garland and Colin, they're both just going off on a night-to-night -night basis. When it comes to Orlando Magic, I mean, you have your usual guys that are always providing the scoring and just keeping the team afloat together. Terrence Ross, uh, Nicolo. Nikola Vucevic. Um, Aaron Gordon is putting up his numbers as always. Uh, what do you think, Nate? Um, I kind of agree. I was going to say that a lot of the teams that were in the playoffs last season, they're uh, off to a bad start this season. For example, for the Raptors, um, they haven't had been able to get their offense going. Um, they lost pretty handily to the Pelicans and they couldn't close it out against the Spurs. I noticed that a lot of their players, they like to kind of drive to the basket. There's like too many players driving to the basket. They need more people on the perimeter shooting threes. And um, yeah, I'd like, I'd kind of like um, Pascal Siakam's performance, even though he hasn't had like an outstanding, like superstar score scoring game yet like his highest so far is 20 but he's been filling up multiple categories so um he's still a good a player to put on your fantasy team i think and i was gonna say for the nets um lavert played like a really good game last i think last night um he had 26 and 11 which is uh really good and he was able to uh, lead his team to a win against the Grizzlies. I think they both had, um, in both teams had injuries. 
but yeah, they were, he was still able to lead the Nets to a win. So that's good. Um, looking at just the, the standings, the way they've shaped out so far, um, let me um, project who I think uh, a non-playoff team from last year might make it. And maybe uh, a team that was a playoff team last year, uh, I, which team I might fade. And I think in the East, uh, I'm liking the Atlanta Hawks. I think that their success can be maintained. Uh, it's not like a j- just a general hot start like some of these teams. I feel like that they can be a playoff team, even though they weren't last season. And maybe a playoff team that I might fade. I know there's a few playoff teams <clears throat> that have gotten off to a rough start. I think that if the uh, Toronto Raptors don't turn things around, I think they could be on the verge of missing the playoffs this season from the East. Um uh, for the West, uh, I think I, I I like the start that the San Antonio Spurs have gone on. Uh, I am a Spurs fan as well as you are, Terry. And I know uh, there's uh, always high expectations uh, in terms of uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and yeah, if they can keep up their play, I think they can find their way into the playoffs this season. And, and in terms of uh, a playoff team that might miss, if Houston doesn't get things together, wh- whether it's with COVID, whether it's with wh- whatever is going on, drama in the locker room, drama in the management, all that, uh, I think that Houston could be in danger of missing the playoffs. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Terry? Um, honestly, I respect the Spurs no matter what. But after, like, how many years? 20, what is it, 21, 22, maybe even 20 years, like, consecutively in the playoffs, uh, eventually, every team got to go through a rebuild. Right now, I feel like the Spurs, they won't get a playoff spot this year. Maybe a team like the Phoenix Suns may capitalize on some of the teams that were playoff bound last year dropping out. Um, Don't get me wrong. I always want to see the Spurs in the playoffs, but I feel like this year they're going to have to figure out what to do with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge as well as DeMar DeRozan with both of their contracts eventually going to come up. Um, with the Suns on the other hand, I mean, Chris Paul found a fountain of youth and hopefully he can bring something interesting towards that Phoenix Suns locker room. As for the teams out East, um, Toronto Raptors, it's just two games within, uh, the season. So you hope that the Raptors do find a way to bring it back around. Um, Nick Nurse, he's always going to bring the best out of his players, no matter who it is, whether you're the star player as Siakam, or if you're going to be a 15th guy off the bench, whether it be one of the guys on a two-way contract or it be, I don't know, uh, the rookie they drafted in the first round. Yeah, I, I'm actually uh, surprised with their start, but uh, knowing the, like you said, the coaching staff that they have, I believe that they can turn it around. Uh, Nate, what about you? Uh, who, who are you higher on that was outside the playoffs last year? And uh, whose uh, start uh, concerns you from the playoff teams last year? Um, I kind of agree with the Hawks being higher. They might be able to steal a playoff spot if they keep their momentum. Um, I think I kind of disagree with the Raptors being out of the playoffs, mainly because it looks like they're just having I guess communication problems on the defensive end and kind of they just have to kind of still sort out their offense a little bit more and try to figure out who's going to drive more, who's going to be on the perimeter more. Um, I think it's still kind of hard to predict who's going to be like in the playoffs exactly because it's just been like two or yeah, three Yeah, it's very games, early. So, yeah. yeah. I think 
I think this is just mostly a uh, try to get the rust off. Like I know we had pre preseason, but um, still, like this is like just kind of like feeling feeling out what the plan is for the rest of the season, pretty much. Um, I just have one more question for you, Nate, before we finish up. Uh, can we trust the Minnesota Timberwolves this year? Will the, do you believe they'll be a playoff team? Um, I'm not sure because um, I think if they want to make a playoff push, they'll still need Carl um, Anthony Towns to be healthy. I believe yeah. he's injured right now. Yeah. Um, I think if he's back, it's possible. But for right now, if uh, if Cat's injury ends up being like uh, way too too long, like six months or something, I don't really see them making the playoffs. All right, I, I think that we can agree with that. Um, thanks, guys, for your time. Uh, we're going to move on to the NHL segment of our podcast. We'll preview the East Division for fantasy this year. Uh, so let's move over to the NHL. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the uh, hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we're here with our hockey expert, James Kumar. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, so uh, today we're going to preview the rest of the East Division, uh, starting with the Bruins. Uh, Yeah, um, this East Division is going to be a tough division to to sort of work out in terms of fantasy. And yeah, let's start with Boston. Um, a few of their top players, um, David Pasternak, uh, I'd say on a normal year, he'd be their best fantasy option, but he's going to be missing part of the season to start. So I think we'd, we just rank him a, a little bit lower. Um, Brad Marchand should be back to start the season. So I think he would be their top forward option along with center Patrice Bergeron. And definitely when David Pasternak comes back, from that point on, he'll be one of the top goal scorers in the league. Um, looking at this team uh, on defense, um, it, it seems as of right now, the only real option is Charlie McAvoy as he should step into a major offensive role with Tory Krug leaving to go to St. Louis. So I think if you're looking for a defenseman from Boston, Charlie McAvoy would be the person to look at. Sounds good. So, uh, who do you think is a good sleeper pick for this team? Um, there, there could be a few different options in terms of sleeper. I went with second line winger Jake DeBrusque. I feel like that with the Pasternak being out to start the season and potentially Marchand not starting the season on time, I feel like DeBrusque could get an increase in minutes, also potentially top power play time. So I think that could contribute to an increase in his point totals. And uh, as with most Boston players, they all produce hits most of them produce shots on goal uh, a generally good plus minus as well so i think jake debrus can have some sneaky value there as a sleeper pick from this team cool so how about the goalies on this team um this uh goaltending tandem for boston has been one of the best over the past couple of years both tuka rask and yaroslav halak have put up impressive fantasy numbers year by year i think in a shortened season like this you'll see uh both goalies in action quite a bit potentially splitting the 56 game slate to about a, a maybe a, a 30 to 26, maybe a, a 32 to 
um, you know, uh, 24 type range. So it, it will be pretty close between the two. So I think both goalies are draftable. You definitely take to Karask in your top 10 in terms of goalies. Um, and I, I believe that Yarrow Halak um, might be a little bit outside of that, but I think you'll get value from both goalies in this situation. All right. So this sounds like a pretty good all around team then. Yeah, I think they should be. I know they're they're going to struggle a little bit, maybe out of the gate with injuries, and you know they they lost a lot of players this summer. But I feel like uh, it's a well coached Boston team, and definitely the players you take from them should contribute fantasy wise. Yeah, well, it's still Boston, so. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next we have the Buffalo Sabers. So who are some top players for this team? Um, yeah, just looking at Buffalo, um, I, even though they are in a top division, I, I think that this offense can produce. They really upgraded it this summer. Uh, top end options for fantasy, Jack Eichel. He's a fantastic player. He should be drafted, if not in the first round, the very beginning of the second round. He's a high-end offensive talent, point-per-game level player. No matter who's playing on his line, he's going to produce regardless. He should be the top option for this team. Um, free agent left winger Taylor Hall coming to Buffalo should also benefit from playing with Jack Eichel. I believe he's going to be a, a high-end fantasy option for the Sabres this season. Um, and also right winger Sam Reinhart. I guess just that top line exposure, anyone that you can get sort of from that top line. And um, uh, potentially, um, if Reinhardt is not on that line, the winger Victor Olofsson could also have a very good value. Um, he, he started off red hot last season in his rookie year um, he was leading all rookies in goals and then he, he slipped back a little bit as as uh, Buffalo uh, slipped a little bit in the standings but I think that Olafson's going to have a good season um, going to top options from defense um, both Rasmus Dahlin and to a lesser extent Rasmus Ristolainen will uh, be top end options for Buffalo I, I know some people avoided Ristolainen a lot because he had one of the league's worst plus minuses but I believe that um, he should have a bounce back year this season. I believe that both defensemen will be fantasy relevant and Rasmus Dahlin could even take it to the next level as uh, I believe he's only 21 or 22. So he still has that potential to just uh, continue to grow as a, as a player. Sounds good. So um, what about some sleeper play players for this team? Um, in terms of a sleeper, I actually went with Jeff Skinner. I know he had a bad year last year, but I believe uh, his rank was somewhere in the 200s, and that's just way too low for a player of his caliber. I mean, he's he's scored 30 goals in this league multiple times. Um, if, he he, if he can find chemistry, whether it's on the second line with Eric Stahl or maybe they bump him up to the first line with uh, Eichel, uh, you know, he could definitely produce a uh, top 100 value. So I think just, uh, I guess, take a flyer on him maybe in the last few rounds if he's still there. And I think that he'll definitely, um, with this improved Buffalo offense, I think he should definitely return some value as a sleeper this year. Sounds good. So uh, what are your thoughts on the goalie on this team? Um, the goaltending situation is interesting here. Uh, Linus Olmark should become the starter this season and take over from Carter Hutton, but both goalies have not played well the last couple of years for Buffalo. So I guess if you're going to take a goalie, I would recommend Allmark. 
But I guess, yeah, just temper your expectations. If this division proves to be very tough for Buffalo, they're not going to get a lot of wins this year. So then that might hurt Olmark's value. But his statistics were pretty strong, even with a poor record last year. And I think that, um, you know, and if, if Buffalo somehow finds a way to turn things around this season, I think he could have some sneaky value as a goalie. But out of the two goalies, definitely look at Olmark first. All right. So this sounds like a team with some uh, really good offense and some potential upside. Yeah, I think that we have to look at this, this team that way as, you know, being an offensively led team. And, then, you know, if the defense and the goaltending can sort of back them up, I think that, you know, this could be a sneaky good team this year. Sounds good. So let's go to the Garden State. And now we have the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, taking a look at New Jersey, um, the last few years have been tough for them. They haven't scored a lot of goals. They've been rough to fantasy owners. Um, I guess in general, unless you see uh, value in the draft, like one of their players just falling to you, I don't advise you to reach for any New Jersey Devils players because chances are they won't be able to return the value that you reach for them. And um, oh, I mean, I'll still go through some of their options. They do have some scoring options that you can add to your lineup. Uh, forward Nikita Gusev should be their, their top offensive talent on the wing. Um, he had his first year in the NHL last year, and he was slowly improving as the season went along. And he was definitely owned in most fantasy leagues near the end of the season. So he should be their top option, as well as forward Kyle Palmieri. Um, I know he's dealt with health issues in the past, but assuming that he's healthy, I'd say as of right now, he's the best goal scorer on this team. Um, centers, Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes, former first overall picks. Um, uh, I mean, they're continuing to develop. Um, I know people are calling them busts and so on, but I think that you can take late flyers on these guys if they're available. I know Heischer was an all-star last year, so he was, he's probably going to be ranked just outside the top 100 and Jack Hughes, maybe a little bit further down, but I think these guys can, um, continue to grow and become top options for this team. And then um, looking at defense, um, uh, actually um, looking at defense, uh, this guy has to be the sleeper pick as well. I, I, just, uh, I just thought of this and um, P.K. Subban, he had the worst statistical car uh, career year last year since joining New Jersey. And uh, I think it's only upward for him. So at the value he's going, I believe he's going in the late 100s, close to 200 in terms of uh, average draft uh, position and that that's just way too low. Um, I don't believe he's going to finish as bad as he did this past year. I believe that um, it, it was just a, a career off year. So I believe that um, if you reach for PK Subban, you should get minimum the value that he's being drafted at. I believe that he'll even have a higher ceiling than that. Sounds good. So uh, what's your thoughts on the goalies on this team? Okay, the goal the goalies are interesting for this team. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood had a breakout season last year um, for New Jersey and proved that uh, even though he he was young, that he could still compete with some of the best goalies in the league, even on a, a poor uh, offensive team. But then New Jersey went in the summer and added uh, Chicago goaltender Corey Crawford. So they're going to be riding with two goalies. Um, it's going to be tough to own either one of these goalies considering the team they play for. But um, I think the goalie with the most upside has to be Blackwood. Um, 
And I think if you're going to own one of the goalies, maybe you can add Blackwood as maybe the second or third goalie on your team. And then Crawford's only owned in maybe deeper leagues. I think that's probably how it's going to play out for them. And then, yeah, with their potential record, I, you're just going to have to temper expectations with wins and with shutouts. All right. So this seems like a team where it's you're not necessarily going to want to reach for most of these players. But if they're there, maybe you can take a chance on them. Yeah, I feel like getting them at their their floor value is probably the best option. Uh, yeah, reaching for them just because this team is not known as a very offensive team. It's, it's very tough to reach for a lot of their players. All right. So now we'll uh, go to the New York Islanders. And uh, what's your thoughts on the top players for this team? Um, the New York Islanders are another interesting team. They're also not very high scoring, but they do find ways to win games. They proved that in the playoffs last year, going all the way to the uh, Eastern Conference final. Um, just looking at some of their offense, assuming uh, Matthew Barzell does get signed by this team, he is their number one center, their number one offensive option. Um, at his best, I believe he is at least a point per game player. So he should be rostered in every format. Um, this year in fantasy, assuming he does play. Um, and um, I, I also believe that uh, uh, winger Anthony Beauvillier had his breakout in the playoffs last year. I believe he he might get a, a look on the top line with Barzell. And definitely any winger playing with Barzell should be uh, guaranteed a, a fantasy spot uh, on a team this year. And um, as, as well as second line center Brock Nelson, um, he's sometimes overlooked in fantasy, but he does contribute in goals, assists. Uh, he, he plays on the top power play with guys like Barzell and Beauvillier. Um, so he might be a smart pick. Also, uh, potential uh, wingers, uh, Captain Anders Lee and also Josh Bailey's also uh, consistently been a good fantasy player year by year. Um, you might even be able to throw Jordan Eberle in there. I'm not sure what his status is with the team, whether they might trade him partway through the year or not. But if Eberle gets looks on that top line, um, I, I think he should be owned in fantasy leagues. Um, stepping to the blue line, uh, most of their defenders are defensive defensemen. I'd say the top offensive guy from this team will be Ryan Pollock this year. Um, he was owned in most fantasy formats. Well, he contributes in hits for the most part. He'll definitely be on, if not the top power play, the second power play. Um, he plays big minutes. Uh, he'll add goals, assists, and so on. So I think you can trust him as the top defender from this team. All right. So what are your thoughts on the sleeper pick for this team? Uh, for sleeper pick, I actually went with an interesting name, uh, J.G. Pajot. They acquired him from the Ottawa Senators at the deadline, and he provided this spark to this team that they didn't have. Um, he has loads of playoff experience. Uh, and in fantasy, he'll just chip in with a lot of goals. Um, he'll add hits. He'll take a lot of shots. Um, he's just that that type of player that can sort of chip in in every fantasy category. He's a very good plus minus player as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's just one of those guys, like uh, line fillers at the end. You know, you might need an extra forward at the, at the end of your draft. You know, uh, who could I take a flyer on that might give me um, some potential in, in different categories, or maybe you're actually looking for a hits guy or a shots guy, you know, or maybe you're plus minus, you have some Buffalo players, you, you have some players from other lower teams, like, like maybe like Ottawa or Detroit, and you, you kind of want to up your plus minus a bit. I think Pajot could be that kind of guy. Sounds good. So what are your thoughts on the goalies for this team? 
Um, looking at the goalies, uh, this is interesting. Uh, Simeon Varlamov sort of revived his career last year with the uh, New York Islanders. He was very injury prone and very inconsistent with Colorado. But I believe with the coaching, uh, it improved his play. I think Varlamov should be the starter for this team. He should be, uh, I believe, a top 15 goalie uh, taken this year in fantasy. Um, backup Ilya Sorokin, uh, it's going to be his first year in the NHL coming over from the KHL. Um, we don't know how he's going to play. Um, I know a lot of people have him as this like deep sleeper, whatever. But I think in terms of him, just uh, temper your expectations, let him grow into his uh, spot with this team. And I think Varlamov is the main guy to trust here. I mean, if you really believe that Sorokin is going to be the guy, you can take a flyer on him maybe as your third goalie or something. But if you're taking him as your first or second goalie, that, that shouldn't be an option. Varlamov should be taken off the board before him. All right. So this sounds like a team with a pretty good plus minus. Yeah, I think for the most part, they're very defensive. So when they are on a winning streak, they can shut down a lot of teams, even strength. Sounds good. Yep. So uh, now we will go to the New York Rangers. And uh, what are your thoughts on the top players for this team? Yeah, it's interesting for the New York Rangers. Uh, they weren't necessarily one of the worst teams in the league, but they somehow won the draft lottery and were able to take uh, winger Alexi Lafreniere first overall in the draft this year. Um, he'll definitely be one of the top options, assuming he plays on one of the top two lines. Uh, forward Artemi Panarin was one of the top five scorers in the league last year, so he's definitely uh, a first-round pick uh, in fantasy. So, um, uh, and him being a winger should boost his value even higher when it comes to drafts as someone that you need to add to your lineup. Um, a number one center, Mika Zibanejad, broke out last year uh, having the highest uh, goals per game average in the league. So he's definitely someone that needs to be owned in fantasy. Um, left winger Chris Kreider was re-signed. He always contributes in many different fantasy categories. He's one of those wingers that you can kind of just plug and play and he'll fill in different fantasy categories for you, including hits and in shots. So he, he's a very good guy to play. Um, and I'd say uh, from the blue line for this team, um, they actually have three good blue liners. Uh, Tony D'Angelo broke out last year as their top defensive option. Um, uh, he, he should be good uh, points wise. I mean, sometimes he'll put up like three or four points a game. Like he, he had an amazing year last year. He should be on the top power play. Um, rookie defenseman Adam Fox actually broke out last year. Um, he was sneakily one of the best young defensemen in the league. And I think he'll have an increased both offensive and defensive role on this team. So he should be able to chip in for you in fantasy. And then um, when they signed Jacob Truba uh, last summer, uh, 2019 summer they signed him and they signed him to this big contract and they want him to be a, a big part of their future on the blue line so i think that he can definitely chip in points for you on this rangers blue line uh as i assume this should be a high scoring team sounds good so uh what are your thoughts on the sleeper pick for this team uh for sleeper i'm gonna go with uh, uh capo caco and I'm going to go with him because he was picked second overall last year. And uh, his first season was a little rough uh, in the NHL. He didn't produce quite the way many of us expected. But uh, when the playoffs started, uh, he, he really started to, to grow into that type of player that, that everyone had envisioned him to be, including the Rangers. So I think he can take a step forward this year. Um, he's being drafted very low, even lower than 
a first overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere, and he's never even played an NHL game yet. So I think that you there's a possibility that Capo Caco could get the same amount of points as Lafreniere in Lafreniere's first season. So for uh, Caco to be uh, getting drafted like somewhere outside the top 200, that shouldn't be happening. That He's definitely a sleeper pick for this team. All right. So what's your thoughts on the goalies for this team? Um, with Henrik Lundqvist gone from this team, it's the two young guys. It's uh, Igor Shosturkin and Alexei Gorgiev. And um, I, I think that uh, both goalies uh, will be valuable at some point in fantasy this year. You, with the condensed schedule, they both should get playing time. Shosturkin should be probably a top 10, top 15 goalie owned. And then Gorgiev is maybe like a third goalie on your team that's going to mix it in with starts as he did have a very good season last year as the backup to Lundqvist before Shesterkin came in. So I think both goalies can be owned, but Shesterkin, sorry, is the guy that you, you should be uh, drafting as a priority. All right. So this seems like another team with uh, pretty high upside. Yeah, I think that the Rangers, um, it's just a matter of time before they're a powerhouse in the East. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but we'll have to find out. All right. So now we'll go to the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, what are some top players for this team? Yeah, this Philadelphia Flyers team is interesting. It's a mix of old and young players. They have a really good mix. Um Forward Claude Giroux has been the top scoring option for this team for many years, and he should continue to be that. I know he had a down year this year, but he should be able to pick it back up. Uh, he produces in pretty much every category. So uh, he, he's definitely someone that should be owned in fantasy. Um, his line mate, Jake Voracek, longtime line mate, uh, should also contribute in fantasy. Um, these guys contribute on the power play. They take lots of shots. Voracek has been known to get a lot of assists, so he should definitely be owned. Um, center Sean Couturier is broken out as uh, this year voted as the best two-way forward in the game. Um, he just uh, does pretty much everything on the ice um, and he, he'll be on most likely the top power play. Um, he'll get goals, assists. He'll have a great plus minus, obviously, as he's a good defender and, and just contribute in it on every uh, area of fantasy. And um, on the blue line, um, I have... Uh, Ivan Provorov, and I think that um, he he grew a lot last year uh, in terms of, of a defenseman. Uh, he just, like, e even in the playoffs, he had some clutch goals for this team. He'll be on the top power play. So it, I guess if you're looking, may, maybe you've taken a, a big-name defenseman, and and you, you maybe haven't taken as many defensemen. You got to maybe the fifth or sixth round, and you're looking for a solid guy that, that can maybe be your number two blue liner on your fantasy team. Um, even Provorov is, is that guy. He's, he's, he's a really good defenseman. He's got tons of scoring upside. He's still very young. He can still um, produce at an even higher level than he did this past season. And I forgot to mention uh, top winger, uh, Travis Konechny. Um, he had a breakout year last year. I know he struggled a bit in the playoffs, but he should definitely be considered one of the top uh, offensive fantasy options for this team. Sounds good. So uh, what's your thoughts on the sleeper pick for this team? Um, yeah, as I was going through Yahoo's rankings, I don't know why Kevin Hayes was ranked so low. He was ranked close to 200. There is no way this guy should be ranked uh, that low. Um, he produced at an amazing pace last year for fantasy owners. He contributed in every category. He's a very good plus minus player. Lots of hits, shots. Uh, he was actually the playoff scoring leader for this team. 
And for him to be taken that low in fantasy, he is definitely a sleeper option that you, people need to hop onto. Um, it, let's just say you've taken a lot of wingers and defensemen, maybe some goalies early, and you need a solid uh, one or two center on your team. Kevin Hayes should be looked at as that guy. He should be, uh, he, he's one of the value centers that you can get if, you, if your center depth is not as good on your fantasy team. He's definitely someone that can overproduce where he's being drafted. All right. So what are your thoughts on the goalies for this team? Um, the goalie for this team is Carter Hart. There's just nothing else to say. He's just emerged as one of the best goalies in the NHL. And um, backup Brian Elliott will get some starts here and there, but it's not enough for him to be owned in fantasy. This is Carter Hart's team, and this team will go as far as Carter Hart can take them. That's all I can say. Sounds good. So we have a team with a good goalie and some players that are getting slept on way too much yeah for sure um carter hart uh he'll he'll carry this team to wins um he'll he'll get lots of shutouts his averages will will be amazing i believe that carter hart is going to be the backbone behind this team and this should be a playoff team sounds good so now we'll go to the pittsburgh penguins yeah, let's take a look at Pittsburgh. I know a lot of people are sleeping on them this year and and sort of saying that they're going to be the team that might not make the playoffs in this division. But I, I beg to differ that this team has always battled injuries. They've battled so many setbacks. But when you have uh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on your team, uh, two of the, the best centers of this era to, to play in the league, um, this team is never out of it. Um, both Crosby and Malkin should be taken inside the top 20 fantasy players. Um, I mean, uh, you might have to temper your expectations with Malkin as he usually deals with an injury every year. So if he drops outside the top 25, I can understand that. But I believe Sidney Crosby is going way too low. I've seen him drop as far as 16th overall. And in, in terms of um, his potential at, in fantasy, uh, that's way too low, even at um, the age of uh, 33. Um, he's going to just continue to grow um, with, with this new team. Um, he's going to be the backbone for, for the team as it goes through different changes. And he's just, uh, even at, at an older age, he'll, he'll still continue to produce for this team. And um, along with line mate, line mate Jake Gensel, uh, Gensel's just grown into a, a goal scorer on this team. Um, I know they missed him for quite a bit of last season, and it didn't affect them as much. But I know when they got to the playoffs, uh, things really started to affect this team. But I believe Gensel is going to be a top scorer for this team. He should contribute a lot for fantasy owners this season, as well as forward Brian Rust. He had a sneaky fantasy value last year. If you found him on the waiver wire, he put up a ton of hits every game. His plus minus was amazing. He chipped in with some key goals. Um, and they were even featuring him on the power play a lot of times. So you even got almost a full category coverage from him last year. So he should definitely be one of the top options at forward for this team. And uh, on defense, I, I believe Chris Letang is still going to be that guy. He's still going to be uh, the, the guy there anchoring that blue line. And assuming he's healthy, he's going to score points. If he's not healthy, that's got to be a risk you're willing to take. Sounds good. So uh, what are your thoughts on the sleeper pick for this team? Uh, for the sleeper pick of this team, I'm going to go with the recently acquired forward Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, he was drafted by Pittsburgh and then ended up getting traded to Toronto. And then he was traded back to Pittsburgh this summer. 
Um, rumor has it that he could play on a line with Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby. And if that's the case, then his where he's being drafted, whether it's just inside the top 200 or just outside the top 200, maybe even further than that, that's way too low. He needs to be owned in almost every league and he needs to be a, a top winger uh, in, in terms of uh, breakout candidates this year. Because uh, if you put someone on a line with Sidney Crosby, um, it's just that, that top end exposure that they're going to get in and they're just going to produce. Sounds good. So what are your thoughts on the goalies? All right. With Matt Murray leaving to Ottawa this summer, um, Tristan Jari is the locked in starter for this team. Uh, he was an all-star last year. Um, he's a very capable goalie and his backup will be Casey DeSmith, uh, who was the backup uh, uh, two years ago. And he was replaced by Jari. Now they're both uh, the goalies for this team. Uh, Tristan Jari should get wind shutouts and he had very good averages last year. So I believe he should continue to have those this season, even in a tough division. Uh, DeSmith only should be owned um, maybe as a, a third goalie if, if you're desperate or if there's an injury or whatever. But I think Jari's the guy to own from this team. All right. Well, it seems like uh, this is a team where uh, people are underestimating them quite a bit. Yeah, I think it. You know, when it, when you have a tough division, you gotta you gotta pick uh, one team that's gonna fall out. They seem to be the popular pick because they're always uh, their their forwards are you know getting older every year. But uh, I mean, every year uh, they have tons of injuries and they just continue to prove people wrong. I don't see why they can't do that again this year. Sounds good. And now we will go to the Washington Capitals. So, what are your thoughts on this team? Um, this is one of the best regular season teams in recent memory. And I, I believe this team will win this division just because they are so good in the regular season. Uh, this team just continues to score goals led by forward Alex Ovechkin. Um, Alex Ovechkin for years has covered all categories in fantasy, even back when the main category was penalty minutes. He would cover the full slate. He'll get you goals, assists. He'll chip in on the power play. He, he'll have a decent plus minus. I know his plus minus has gotten better from where it used to be. He should be in the plus for you. Um, and then shots, he'll lead, lead the league in shots most years. So if you have him, you should be great with shots. And then hits, he's one of the best power forwards to ever play the game. Well, he's, he's more of a hitting sniper, I'd say. But yeah, Alex Ovechkin, top end fantasy player. Um, and then both centers uh, with him there in Washington, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Nicholas Backstrom, fantastic fantasy options. Um, they could even be first centers on your fantasy team. If maybe you decide to pick some wingers and some defensemen, maybe some goalies early, you want to come back with a, a first center, maybe in the fifth round or the sixth round, you might be able to get Backstrom there. Kuznetsov maybe a little bit higher than that. But yeah, they're fantastic fantasy options. They'll be able to chip in many different categories. Um, also, uh, forwards Tom Wilson and TJ Oshie. Oshie's getting a little bit older, but I think he can still produce for your team. And then Tom Wilson, just again, the category coverage is great. Um, he might even get minutes on that top line with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. So he's definitely someone that you can rely on, especially uh, since he's one of the top hit getters in the league. Um, and then on defense uh, with this team, um, John Carlson. It's just a fantastic option. Um, I mean, he led the league in defenseman points last year. He didn't win the Norris Trophy. Uh, that went to Roman Yossi, but they, they were pretty close in points. But John Carlson 
he'll he'll just produce whether it's power play even strength he'll put the puck in the net he'll get assists his, his plus minus is great you know he'll, he'll get hits he'll take shots he's one i'd say he's a top five fantasy defenseman this year sounds good so what are your thoughts on the sleeper pick for this team um, on for the sleeper pick uh, for Washington, I went with a forward and a defenseman, uh, Jacob Ferrana at forward. I think that um, he if people said he had a breakout season last year. I could see an even bigger breakout for him this year, especially where he's being drafted in drafts uh, close to the 200 mark. I, I think that if somehow he finds his way up to maybe the top line or so, or, or maybe even the top power play, he could definitely increase his production um and then on defense a uh, recently acquired defenseman justin schultz from pittsburgh uh, i think that uh, he will resurrect his career in washington as he did have a down year last year in pittsburgh i believe that he can definitely be uh, a decent defenseman for your fantasy team if you maybe are, are desperate for some defensemen late in the draft sounds good so what are your thoughts on the goalies for this team well, with Henrik Lundqvist um, leaving with his heart condition, uh, this is Ilya Samsonov's net. He's going to be the main goalie for this team. And until they sign a backup, he's just going to uh, play and a minor a minor league uh, goalie will back him up. But um, it's, I expect Washington to be a great team. Uh, they, they should finish first in, in this division, according to my prediction. So he's going to get lots of wins. He had amazing averages last year. He should definitely be a top 10 goalie taken this year in fantasy drafts, 100%. So another uh, very good all-around team this year. Yeah, for sure. I'd say Washington's definitely a great all-around team for fantasy. All right. So this concludes the preview for the NHL East division, probably one of the deepest divisions in the league, I think. Yeah, I, I, you could definitely say that. I'd say out of the four divisions, this one should be the hardest fought division in terms of the, the top four. All right. So tune in next week and we'll get the next division for you guys. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll keep previewing uh, the next couple divisions until the NHL season starts. All right. All right, welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics Injury Report. I'm joined once again by Sheridan AT student, Victoria Kumar. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, let's just jump right into the injuries for the week. Uh, we'll start in the NFL. Um, what's Devontae Parker's injury update looking like? Yeah, so uh, we're going to start with Devontae Parker, and I'm just going to go through all the injury updates. Um, so he has a hamstring injury, as we mentioned last week. He missed out the last weekend on playing. Um, and since he had a limited practice today, it doesn't look like he'll play this week against the Bills. He may still play, but we're going to have to watch him over the next few days. All right, what about Damian Harris? Uh, so Damian Harris had an ankle injury. He did not end up playing this week uh, like we thought. Um, and today he again practiced in a limited capacity. The Patriots have now been eliminated from playoff contention. This means we don't really need to rush his return. So I don't think he's going to be playing this weekend. Um, another update would be Keenan Allen that we talked about last week. He has a hamstring injury. Um, he didn't play last week. Again, like I mentioned, it was a short week last week. Um, so we didn't really expect him to play anyways. Um, he's also not expected to play this week either as uh, his team is out of playoff contention. Um, what about Matthew Stafford? Yeah, so just some of the new injuries. Matthew Stafford before was suffering, suffering with a rib injury, but now he's returned from that. He played last week and now he sustained a right ankle sprain. He left partway through the game. 
Um, he did not practice today, which means it's doubtful that he's going to play this weekend. Um, what about uh, the injuries from the Cardinals, both uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray? So DeAndre Hopkins had a hip injury. He he got it just before halftime on Saturday. He did not practice today. That doesn't really look good as the Cardinals have to win this Sunday for that possibility to make it into the playoffs. Um, however, we do have a few short days until Sunday. So ho hopefully we'll continue to watch him practice. And then if he starts to practice, maybe we'll see him this week. Uh, Kyler Murray, he has kind of a leg injury. Not a lot was released on this injury. And that kind of makes me suspect that it's a good thing um, that there's not a lot released. So it's probably very minor. And he might play this weekend because like I mentioned with Hopkins, they're trying to make the playoffs and get that playoff uh, contention position. Um, the, the Rams are facing the Cardinals. What about the two Rams running backs? Yeah, so uh, Cam Atkers and Daryl Henderson are both have high ankle sprains. Um, Atkers sustained his in week 15 and Daryl Henderson just this past week in week 16. Um, Atkers may play this week as the Rams are trying to maintain that second position in the NFC West. Um, and this is a very important game this weekend against the Cardinals because if they lose, the Cardinals will uh, probably make the playoffs and potentially over them. Um, the winner of this game, again, as like I said, may determine who goes into the playoffs. Um, Henderson looks like he's going to be ruled out completely. So it's very important that Atkers uh, kind of get ready because it looks like he's going to be the one that's going to need to be in for the team. All right. What about Tyler Boyd? Uh, so Tyler Boyd can sustain a concussion. He's currently following that concussion protocol and he played a limited practice today. Although he's not completely ruled out for this weekend, I actually don't really see him playing for the first reason. Obviously, the Bengals don't really have a chance of making the playoffs. They're uh, officially ruled out. As well as with a concussion protocol, you're required to play in a game-like situation in order for them to determine that you're ready. And what you have to do is you have to play in that game-like situation and they have to look at your symptoms over the next day to see if you develop concussion symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and they need enough time to do that, to determine that. So I'm thinking that they're most likely going to arrest him if he's not already practicing in full capacity with no symptoms. We don't know what's happening. Uh, another person with concussion as well is Michael Pittman. Um, he had a limited practice today like Tyler Boyd and he's following that concussion protocol. Um, and his team, though, is battling and trying for that top position of the AFC South. So actually, we might see them try and put him in a full practice, maybe even as early as tomorrow, yeah. because yeah. they're trying to get him in. And they're obviously watching his symptoms to see how he's doing. All right. Um, what about Alex Smith for the Washington football team? Yeah, so uh, he has kind of a calf injury. He did not practice today. Um, and that's actually not such a good thing because he's a very vital part of Washington winning um, and they need to win the NFC East. They need to win this week or they may not uh, become the top of that division and may not make the playoffs. So we're going to have to see if he's practicing over the next few days to determine really if he's going to play or not. Well, um, you'd be happy as a Giants fan if he if he didn't play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, the Giants were hoping that both Washington loses and that we beat the Cowboys. And then we, because we have the most divisional wins, will slip into first place. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll see what happens there. Um, what about some wide receivers? We'll start with Sammy Watkins. What's he looking like? So I'm actually going to talk about players that are going to be ruled out for sure this week. And that's Sammy Watkins starting with him. So he um, has been ruled out. He did not practice today. He's probably going to take the week off. That's kind of what they've been saying because Chiefs have kind of clinched that first playoff seed. Some other players that are not going to be playing this week that have already been ruled out are Brandon Ayuk, James Robinson, Philip Lindsay, Jared Goff, and Terry McLaren. Those are all players that have been already ruled out.
Um, with Jared Goff, uh, what's the extent of his injury like and how will it affect the Rams going forward? Yeah, so with Jared Goff, he kind of already had thumb surgery. They did it this week. Um, he's not playing this week. He's going to rest that thumb. And then uh, hopefully if the Rams make it into that uh, playoff position because they're playing the Cardinals this week, then they're going to try and bring him in for the playoffs and see how he does. We're obviously going to have to watch his recovery um, and see with that. Um, I heard that no players tested positive in the last COVID uh, run of tests, but uh, is there anyone that's still on the COVID list? Yeah, so um, the only person that I have here is John Brown. He can't, He did not get COVID, but he came into close contact with someone in his life that has COVID-19. So he's now been quarantining for five days. And then once he gets that negative result, he should be go good to go. But since the Bills have secured that top spot in their division, I don't really see them rushing his return, especially since he's been in that isolation and he has not practiced. Um, so obviously we'll see with that. Um, if he plays, it'll probably be limited. And all of the Browns players that are coming off the COVID list, uh, you assume they're all going to play because of the Browns needing to get into the playoffs. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's move on to the NBA, actually. Uh, can you pro provide an injury update on Kemba Walker? Um, yeah, so for Kemba Walker, he kind of had a stem cell injection in October. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He had a left knee injury. I predicted that this was most likely a meniscal injury when I gave my report. The only update I have regarding him is that it looks like he won't be returning in January. As the Celtics head coach stated, there's no update other than the fact that he's moving through his recovery. And he also said it doesn't look like he's going to be back soon. So uh, taking a look at this, we hoped he'd be back in early January. And now it might be late January to early February. We're looking at just simply by what the coach said. Um, moving on in other updates, so Rui Hachimura, um, he had that bilateral keratoconjunctivitis, which is kind of a form of pink eye, but actually a little bit more extreme. This injury kind of normally puts you out for three weeks because with most kind of pink eye conjunctivitis cases, it can be contagious, so they often don't have you practicing. Uh, but it reported last week that he made a quick recovery over the last uh, week and he's already been practicing. So that means he's probably pretty much cleared of it, maybe mm -hmm. just experiencing a couple symptoms. Um, and he's going to be in for limited minutes, it looks like this week, about 20 minutes maximum. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't count on the most points with him, though, as he'll only play for a part of the game. All right. What about Kevin Love? Uh, yeah, so Kevin Love, he strained his right calf. Um, he, Kevin Love has kind of been in and out, and they actually just recently did an MRI, and it's been confirmed that he actually re-aggravated it. And he's going to be out for the next three to four weeks before we see that possible return. Um, so unfortunately, that's bad news, and I would place him on IR for now. All right. Uh, what about Alec Burks? Yeah, so just some of the new injuries, including Alec Burks this week. He had an ankle sprain. He sustained it by stepping on someone's foot on Sunday. He's kind of day-to-day -day right now, and I don't know if he will play against the Raptors on Thursday. And even if he does, we're going to see limited minutes most likely. He should be back in full for Saturday's game against the Pacers, though. All right, what about Jimmy Butler? Uh, Jimmy Butler has a right ankle injury. Uh, last Wednesday, he sustained it against the Magic. He's come back uh, the game after. He came back, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, but then he re-aggravated it. Um, so he's already been ruled out for Wednesday's game. Uh, and we'll have to watch if he plays against the Mavericks on Friday. And if he does, it'll be limited for sure. So wouldn't count on the best fantasy points. All right, what about John Moran? That looked like a pretty bad injury. 
yeah so he had a left ankle inversion sprain and I kind of watched the footage and when he landed he landed with his ankle completely like this and actually what was interesting about that injury is because he went down with pointed toes where his foot is in what we call a plantar flex position it actually puts him at greater risk for that inversion ankle sprain of really hurting his ATFL and CFL ligaments which are two ligaments on the outside of his ankle um, so this looked like to me it was a grade two strain and actually sprain sorry and then actually when they did the MRI the MRI confirmed it was a grade two sprain um, so this looks like he's going to be out for three to four weeks I'd put him on your IR um, what about OB Toppin yeah, so Obi Toppin strained his right calf. At first, it was kind of labeled day to day, but now it seems it's more of a second degree strain level. And he looks like he will miss about a week to a week and a half before they reassess him and clear him of that. Um, so he won't be playing until January, probably the first or second week of January. Um, so, you know, keep him on your bench and then you can, you can put him in. I'm not sure if he's labeled on the injured reserve, but if he is, then hopefully you can put him on that IR. Um, what about Laurie Markkinen? Uh, so Laurie Markkinen, he had a left calf contusion. He sustained this against the Warriors on Sunday. He then played on Tuesday, but re-aggravated it. The staff will most likely give him Thursday's game off and then look to play him Friday against the Bucs. All right. Um, what about Spencer Dinwiddie? Uh, so he had a right knee, a right knee injury, a partially torn ACL. He sustained this on Sunday's game and it first looked like it was, uh, actually, sorry, it is a grade two tear, but it didn't look super severe. But then when they did that MRI, it looked like he's going to need that surgical repair. Um, this will put him out for the rest of the season. So, um, put him on your IR if you're playing keepers. And if not, I would drop him. All right. Um, what about Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, so Carl Anthony uh, Towns has a left dislocated wrist. He actually had surgery on this same wrist about a year ago. He sustained this injury, kind of landed on that left hand. Um, he won't need surgery, but it's but because he's been placed on in the injured reserve, we're looking at probably about a minimum three-week recovery, possibly four to five weeks, depending. All right, um, and one more uh, injury, LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, so LaMarcus Aldridge sustained a sore left knee on Sunday, and he's already been ruled out for Wednesday's game against the Lakers. He looks to be day-to-day, -day, so he'll most likely be back this weekend. If they suspected something worse, there'd probably be more information or an MRI done. So this, again, leads me to believe that it's pretty minor. Um, could you also explain to us the whole COVID situation that happened in Houston? Yeah, so with Houston, as we heard this week, much of Houston's lineup was put into quarantine. This quarantine was due to a positive result that was sustained by one of the players on the team. And it kind of put out pretty much the whole team because everybody had been in close contact with them. Um, and how COVID works in the NBA, it's a little bit different than the NFL rules that we've gone over. If you come into close contact, you have to be in quarantine for seven days, which is quite a lot. And a lot of players missed this week, including John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, they were put into quarantine and the, the Rockets really only had about eight or nine players available for their lineup this week. Um, looks like we'll see most of the team back Saturday though, as that seven days of quarantine will be up and they'll hopefully get those negative test results. Um, I don't anticipate them back though for Thursday's game against the Kings, uh, simply because they haven't had any practice over the next last seven days as they've been quarantining. All right, let's move to the NHL. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks had a lot of players recently come up with injuries. Could you go over some of these injuries? So we're going to start with uh, Kirby uh, Dosh. He's the one who played in the World Juniors. And last week, he sustained a wrist injury. 
Um, he had surgery on Monday to fix this. He had a right wrist fracture. And if you watch the footage, he actually collided in that neutral zone with the Russian player. And he kind of went in with like a bent wrist position. So he kind of went in like this with him. Um, and it, he looks like he's going to be out for the next four to five months to recover post-surgery. So it looks like he'll miss most, if not all, of fantasy season this year, unfortunately. What about Alex Nylander? Alex Nylander had a left meniscus tear. He sustained this injury first in the 2020 playoffs, and then he rehabbed it offseason. And then once he got back on the ice for training camp um, and just to begin on-ice training, the symptoms returned, and then they realized that surgery was actually needed. So he underwent surgery last Monday to repair the tear, and it looks like he's going to be out for the next four to six months with that rehab. So again, I wouldn't count on him coming back this season, especially during the fantasy season season um and then the last player from chicago blackhawks unfortunately they seem to be getting a lot of hits uh jonathan taves is out with an undisclosed illness um there's no timetable for when he returns it's kind of like lungquist we don't know what's really happening um he just only stated that the symptoms he's feeling um, are kind of lethargic in nature so he's very drained um he's very sluggish it kind of makes him feel like that um i don't think it's COVID 19 related because it looks like they're putting him on that long-term injury reserve um and if it was COVID 19 it probably wouldn't be something that they ruled him out for um, a very long time yeah, so I think Chicago will probably be looking to sign some players within the next week as they seem to have a lot of long-term injuries. Yeah, so they look like they have quite a few key players out. I know they just recently signed Carl Soderberg, but I think some more guys will be coming in. Um, and yeah. one more injury for the NHL. What about Nico Heischer? Yeah, so Nico, he tried some kind of leg injury. He sustained it doing off-season training in early December. So this was his own training that he did at home. The team doesn't think it's going to be long-term. He's kind of labeled as week-to-week. He would just not be part of the team's um, on-ice training in training camp. He's going to be doing off-ice work during this time. And then hopefully we'll get integrated into on-ice training probably once the season starts. So we're looking at kind of an end-of-January return for him. All right. Uh, thanks again for the injury report, Victoria. Yeah, no problem. Um, and once again, uh, thank you for listening to the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube and on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, as well as follow us on Instagram at Podcast Fantasy Fanatics and on Facebook under Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. Uh, we're also doing uh, online hockey pool among all of the the, the listeners of the podcast as well as every member of the podcast and uh, we actually have a contest going where the winner will get an interview on the podcast so uh, we'll put a link in the description get in your teams and let's have a great hockey season this year uh, thanks again